Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. If you really want to be one of the best brewers there is... I stopped uh, dressing all in plastic. You better be brewing five to six times a week. A beer, every beer, is made with love, and it begs to be appreciated. I need something to kill the salmonella I'm kind of worried about in the eggs. Do you find that uh, that the hops kind of clash with the uh, chicken embryo you put in there? (laughs) I might sleep here tonight. It's a California king. There's plenty of room for both of us, Beavis. How many of the brewers over there have seen your ass? That's it. Someone's getting cut tonight. Yeah. Hey, McDonald, how you doing? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with... Expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is the session. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming to join us both here at the Hop Grenade and in podcast land. You're welcome. Thanks, JP. Yeah. We got a busy show for you tonight, as always, because people are just clamoring to be on this program. <laughs> I mean, everywhere we turn, people just clamoring to be here. That's right, true. Tasty? They're like clams. <laughs> yes. Tonight, we have joining us Tom McCormick. He's from the California Craft Brewers Association and also the upcoming event that we will be involved in, which is the oh. uh, California Craft Beer Summit, which I'm excited about. So we're going to talk to Tom here in just a moment. i got to get through some announcements. We're also going to be speaking to Doug and Gabby Michael. They're from New Zealand uh, from Gladfield Malt. So uh, it's an interesting story these two have. Tasty, I met them while we were in Australia. Oh, cool. And um, I'm sorry, I did not meet them. I met some representatives of their uh, operation uh-huh. who was telling me this very unique story about them, a, a family that uh, started out as farmers and then turned into maltsters as well. Yeah, so, I looked at their website. It looks like they make a lot of the grain that they malt. Yeah, which I think is... Uh, which I think is fantastic. That's cool. We talked about this last week as well with you know some some new uh, maltsters coming on the scene doing smaller operations and getting um, this kind of boutique malt out into the market. So we're continuing that discussion today with Gladfield Malt out of New Zealand. So fun accents today, JP. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should control Bev. 
She does. She loves her accent. She does love a good accent, that I beef. I do love me some accents. Yeah. So Maybe not a good one, but, you know. But just accents in general. Yeah. All right. So, we, so like I said, a lot to get to today. 888-401-BEER. That's our number, 888-401-BEER, if you want to ask questions or just hit the chat button on the homepage. Some quick announcements for you. We're going to be at the Mammoth Blueza Palooza July 30th through August 2nd. Um, that's coming up, JP. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good time, right? I'm airing out my sleeping bag and everything. You are. It'll be great. <laughs> good. Right. Uh, we're going to talk to Tom a little bit about the Mammoth Fest uh, here in a moment, but because um, he, he's been going for, uh, I think, 15 years wow. or something. Yeah, a long, long, long time. All right. Wow. I'm going to ask you about that in just a second. Let's just let people know right now you can go to mammothbluesbrewsfest.com and get your tickets. And I think you should join us. Maybe if you've been before, you should join us and be our guide. Because it'll be our first year, and we're going to shoot a video uh, or two of the whole experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think we're going to need a guide. I mean, it sounds like a massive... First of all, I want to know what bands to absolutely not miss. All right. Do not miss Trombone Shorty. It, seriously? That's that? the headliner, okay. and uh, everybody loves Trombone Shorty. I have okay. not met a person who went and saw a, trombo- a Trombone Shorty show and didn't yeah. come back and go say the same thing I'm saying right now. You've got to go see. life-changing. Is, yeah. is he secretly like... Six foot eight and and plays the tuba. Okay. It's a <laughs> yeah, that's right. but it's this thing. I don't know. Great, I love it. <laughs> no, okay, cool. Yeah, trombone shorty is going to be great. Uh, Robert Cray, Johnny Lang, Robin Ford. I mean, the headliner list is is pretty incredible. And then you got a bunch of people after that. The Slice Brother, uh, sorry, uh, the Slide Brothers, John Nemeth, Haddon Sayers, the Delta Saints. I mean, all kinds. So okay, good. Uh, go to dot com right now and check it out. We'll give you a little more information on why I talked to Tom about it because he's he's got some inside goods you know trombone shorty has a much bigger twitter following than we do just so you know oh uh, believe me i know you do know yeah. well he has talent and he's been around for a while yeah. he had his first band when he was 11 or something yeah that's amazing uh okay we also have to let you know of uh, we mentioned it last week for the first time about this labruski cruise that we're doing which yes, is uh, please. Uh, a beer Excited. cruise uh moscow what's happening with this thing out of uh, leaving out of miami next march march one through five 2016 uh, they're gonna. I think they're releasing uh, tickets go on sale this week. Uh, they're putting together the uh, final touches there. It's going to be awesome uh, staple beers and rare beers and fantastic music from uh, Kyle Hollingsworth and OAR and uh, just a, a rollicking good time on some you know wave runners when we're not drinking beer. <laughs> five days, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to spend five days on a beer cruise, JP. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I think uh, there may be some vomiting. Yep. Uh, Off the side of the wave runner. Yeah. But I'm, I'm potentially glad. a death. Yeah. You're just chumming the water. Trying to shoot some sharks. Yeah. I'm I glad guess. to hear this is going to be oars on the boat. Yeah. That's good. Well, I mean, it's very motor quits. It could be a disaster. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> For the lifeboats. All right. And what we're doing is we're entering every Twitter game winner from now until I don't oh. know when. It's probably around Christmas time. Yeah. The cruise okay. isn't until March 2016. Yeah. So from now until the end of the year, we're entering uh, our Twitter winners into a chance to win um, a cabin. Two. Want to give lots great. of people a chance to uh, put their name in the hat. Yeah. So we had a big turnout on our Twitter game last week. I'm we sure really we'll did, have another yeah. big one this week. And you should play along because if we pick you as the winner, you're entered to win. You can play every week. Yeah. If you're a repeat winner, then you get to you get to stuff the ballot box. If you if you got a great sense of humor, you got a better chance of being on the cruise. Oh, we didn't do little uh, fine print that says you can only enter once or anything like that. I'm, I'm making up the fine print as I go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying do it. All right. Works for me. All right. Uh, also, you can support the program by shopping at Amazon. Just click the Amazon link on our homepage and we get a little piece of the action. Do we have a product of the week? Yeah, someone bought Defending Your Life on DVD. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. You guys yeah. ever seen this one? No. Albert Brooks, Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. 
about that. Uh, my shrink made me watch that. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 this is how this is how funny people yeah, actually are. I was having issues with death or something, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you should watch this movie." Maybe he was like, "Maybe that's how things are like." And I remember thinking. This is not a very credible thing from a doctor. Wow. Uh, maybe that's how death is. I don't know. He made me watch a movie. Did, did, he, did it move you or did it serve a therapeutic purpose when you no, watched it? No, no. I thought it was bullshit, really. <laughs> did he charge you for the time you spent watching the movie? Right. That'll be yeah. $300. I should have charged him. A decent movie, but it didn't solve my problems. It didn't help you? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Right. Well, sometimes I draft off your, your shrink's coattails. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, oh, maybe there's a thing that'll help me. No, no. Okay, you're good, good on this one. It. Well, Albert Brooks isn't really what I call a great filmmaker. You, you know, know, back in the day, he was... Uh, what day? <laughs> for like a Wednesday yeah. in, in March 78. All right. Well, that, the, yeah, this movie from 70... I don't think it's from 78, but I, I did really enjoy it. We did get that 38 cents. So, I mean, it's four ninety four. Really. DVDs are like, they're giving them away now. <laughs> That's It is cheap. But right. uh, thanks hey. for buying it through the link. And if it, you know, if you bought it for your therapy, I hope it works. Uh, right. Me too. It's better for you. <laughs> Still terrified of death. Uh, all right. And then subscribe and join the BN Army. Just hit the donut. Uh, <laughs> the donut button. You know, if it was a donut button, we'd probably donuts. make a lot more money. <laughs> Let me yeah, press yeah. this again. If I you press should, this again. We should make it. Make it a friggin' maple bar with a sign up and we'll, of bacon on we'll it. send you a stale donut from Concord. We do have that place, like the happiest donut shop on earth uh, or the something. The best donut shop and the uh, best it. donut house, or what, which actually got shut down several years ago because of health code violations. I'm not surprised. But yeah. are they open now? <laughs> they, they are. are open now. And it's the place I get donuts for our volunteers every Winterfest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my favorite part about that section of Concord, it's right off the square, and there's a, like a, a ladies' boot camp, like a workout. Oh, yeah. Know, play, and they make them run around the block and around they have the to pass shop. the donut shop <laughs> and do laps around the donut shop. I like, saw that the other day. kind of brilliant and really torturous yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Keep it moving, ladies. Yeah. Don't look at the donut shop. You think they have botany and mind yeah. at the same time. You think they have wow. a, a thing with the donut shop to be like, keep them moving. Just don't even let them in. <laughs> Lock the doors. Anyone in spandex is not allowed in. Uh, <laughs> there's a sign on the door. Yeah. All right. Hit the donate button on our yes. homepage. You, you become a recurring donor in the BN Army, which enters you to win a $100 gift certificate to our sponsor, More Beer. More Beer brings you this session and everyone we do here on Mondays. And uh, yeah, you just sign up as a donor and then you're, it's a monthly raffle that we do. And then they gave away 100 bucks uh, every single month. They've been doing it for years, and they're, they're very cool people. It also gives you access to our newsletter and uh, first dibs on tickets and things like that. So hit the donate button, please. Get all these updates and more over on Twitter and Facebook. And then send your show ideas to Scott the Jew. That's Scott at TheBrewingNetwork.com. And send feedback to feedback at TheBrewingNetwork.com. We have a Twitter game? We do. Twitter game is brought to you today by CraftBeer.com, bringing you the best in craft beer. Head on over to CraftBeer.com right now and check it out. Uh, well, the Twitter game today is there's a, a, a Danish festival um, that is, it's a beer fest, and they are using their own urine. Uh, the farmers are collecting urine from the festival goers mm-hmm. to water crops with. I saw this. And then the crops will be making beer, the, you know, grain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, my question is, what can the Brewing Network donate <laughs> to help the farmers of America? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we want to help out. We want to, you know, there's a water shortage here in California. There is. Farmers need all the help they can get. So what, uh, you know, what sort of uh, things should we donate? I thought peeing on plants kills the plant. I mean, you know, eventually. I'm sure it'll the process go through some sort of, I'm not sure they're not going to spray like just straight stale urine all over these crops. But. Why do the two of you know this? Like, did your mother tell you to stop pissing on her roses or something? Like, well, no, I, she never told me to stop. <laughs> they just died. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like when the dog pees on your lawn. Yeah, exactly. The lawn goes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only. That's how you know. I mean, I'm assuming that that's correct. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm not a urologist. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So but I what? I'm a urine connoisseur. So. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. So what can we donate to help the farmers of America? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we can ask our New Zealand guests as well. They're farmers, <laughs> and uh, we can get some advice on that. True. All right. In the meantime, Tom McCormick has joined us in the studio all the way from Sacramento. Somewhere near Sacramento. Okay, somewhere near Sacramento. (laughs) The void. From the California Craft Brewers Association. You're the executive director. Yes. What is the California Craft Brewers Association? California Craft Brewers Association is the trade association that represents the craft brewing industry here in California. Okay. And what kind of things does a trade association like that do for craft brewers? We are a legislative advocacy group for one so we are the bodyguard for the craft brewers of california at the state capitol so craft brewers live in a very regulated industry um so there's a lot of rules and regulations and laws and so anytime you have a lot of regulations they're always subject to change we have a lot of big um interests in the alcohol beverage industry the wine industry the spirits industry the wholesalers the retailers uh, on and on. And so all those stakeholders are kind of looking out for their own interests and kind of trying to juggle the regulatory structure to their benefit. And that is done through the legislative process. So we park ourselves at the state capitol and okay. make sure that those laws are not uh, counter to our interest as small brewers. And we also pass a few bills ourselves every now and then. How long have you been doing this? Been doing this position for 10 years. Okay, wow. Yeah. And what's your background that got you into a position like this? I was pretty much born and raised in the craft brewing industry. Is that right? Well, I got into the craft brewing industry when I was about 23, 24. Okay. So, um, you know, this gray hair up here. Ah, It's happening to all of us. Equates to quite a few years. I think it's 30. Three years okay. in the craft brewing industry. So I, I've been in the industry a, a long time. I've done a lot of different things. What was your very first gig in the craft My beer? My very first gig was a um, starting a brewery that never started up. Oh, okay. I wanted to I wanted to start a, a small craft brewery back in 1982. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any money, and so no one would loan me the money because the term microbrewery was unheard of. They all thought it was crazy. And I was talked into starting a distributorship instead by the few craft breweries that were open back then at the time. And so my first gig was McCormick Beverage Company, which was a very small beer distributorship uh, in the Sacramento, Foothill, Lake Tahoe area. And I carried just craft beers at the time, which was pretty novel. That's also mm-hmm. ambitious. What did you say? You were 22 at the time? Yeah, I think 23. Just going for it, too. <laughs> too I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. It was dumb. <laughs> d- I would never do that if I knew how hard it was going to be. <laughs> I see. I had no idea even what a beer wholesaler was. And, uh, in fact, you know, I, I, was, I, I didn't know the, the laws and the regulations. And I, was, I had another full-time job when I first started. And so I was selling and delivering beer on the weekends. And it's okay. against the law to deliver alcoholic beverages on Sunday in, oh, yeah. in California. And I didn't know that. So, you know, I was selling beer on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, until, plenty of parking. Yeah, until uh, another beer wholesaler tapped me on the shoulder <laughs> yeah. and said, uh, hey, you know, that's you can't do that. But uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but it, it worked out and uh, it was good timing. Okay. And uh, a lot of the 
early craft breweries had a very hard time getting distribution because the existing beer wholesalers didn't know what craft beer was, and it was a hard sell. I mean, selling Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was a very, very difficult sell in 1984. Brand new beer then, wasn't it? It was fairly new. It was about four years old. In, no, in the, the drinkers in the were all new. But just the marketplace, yeah. What a tough... Yeah. Can, and it's also just such an interesting uh, change from, from now, right? I oh, mean, I know. And Sierra Nevada sells itself now. Well, the pale ale, and people yeah. would try it, and they would just, like, are you kidding me? What is this? It's Yeah, so... Yeah. But so Did you just it was have a very a, different time. A garage full of kegs? Where were you keeping the kegs? <laughs> yeah, oh, good, man. You know, when you're 24, and, yeah, I borrowed a corner <laughs> of a warehouse and to start, and I had a, you know old pickup truck to start and put a camper shell on it and it was pretty um pretty crude humble beginnings yeah but uh now it's a refrigerated camper shell yeah <laughs> yeah right. and a refrigerated warehouse you really grown uh, up i did grow up um so yeah i ultimately you know i had a number of trucks and uh, almost 20 employees and a lot of different brands and but you know not too long into it sitting there in the warehouse and looking there and and viewing you know you know, pallets full of some of the best beer literally in the world mm. at, you know, the age of 25, 26, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it I was, bet. It was fun. It was a lot of work but, <laughs> and I couldn't do it now, but it was a lot of fun back then. So you've done a little bit of everything in the industry leading up to your position now. Yeah, I was partner in a brewing company. I've done teaching. I've done consulting. Uh, I've done writing. I had a trade publication for a while. And so, yeah, I've done... A lot of different things, worn a lot of different hats, uh, but I've been doing this for 10 years, and it's just been probably the highlight of my career. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, how did the CCBA get started? Well, it's the oldest uh, state-based trade association in the country, <laughs> and it was started in 1989 by Fritz Maytag and Ken Grossman, John Martin, <laughs> some of the early brewers back then who realized, you know, this is 1989, so this is about kind of 10 years into this evolving craft beer industry, still very, very small at the time. But those guys realized that, hey, we actually kind of have, you know, an industry here that might work. And... But to do that, we have to have representation at the state capitol. Sure. And so they started the association um, and and hired a, kind of a legislative advocate, lobbyist type mm. person. And they did that for a number of, of years. And so the association was kind of up and down over the years. I came in 10 years ago, and that was the time that the board of directors really realized that we needed to take the association to the next level because the industry was really beginning to grow. So in addition to the uh, advocacy work that we do, we do a lot of education and guidance uh, for uh, the members. And here's an interesting fact. By the end of this year, we'll have over 600 craft breweries in California. That's crazy. And over half of those will have been in business three years or less. Wow. So <laughs> Amazing. It's, so we have a lot of new startups. They're opening up at the rate of, on average, two new breweries every week here in California. Okay. So, they, you know, so we need to be there for them to help educate them, help guide them. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that a lot of those new companies starting up, like if, for example, I was about to do that, 
don't really know shit about how to do the the paperwork side, the legislative right. side, the regulatory side. Right. So having an entity to really hold our hand through that. Right. And that's exactly what we are is kind of one stop shopping. If you have a question, you call us. If we don't know the answer, we'll find out or we'll point you in the right direction. Excellent. And you're absolutely right. As you know, most of these small breweries that are starting up are very passionate about the beer. Mm. Many of them are home brewers. They love beer. But um, many of them don't have business backgrounds or financial backgrounds. And even if they do, the regulatory structure and just the permitting and all that that goes along with any business. But, again, alcoholic beverage uh, is, is more regulated than most industries. So sure. we're there to, to provide that level of assistance and guidance for, okay. for our members. Okay. What, what are all these breweries going to do about water? <laughs> They're all opening in California, and uh, the lakes are getting getting pretty low. Frankly, I've been thinking about that, too. Just not so much for the ones that are already in existence, but if I were putting together a business plan to open a brewery, one of the things I would be worried about is water. Do you guys address that at all? Oh. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> like we never stop addressing it. Oh, yeah. man. I just like drought has become a uh, yeah painful word for me. But um, it's the number one media inquiry that uh, I get. Okay. Yeah. It's um, that makes sense. amazing. Um, you give, get, do you give them the almond tree uh, equation? Uh, exactly. Is that what you give them? Yeah. You know, explain that to us real quick. Yeah. What's that? Well, the craft brewing industry here in California uses the same amount of water in a year as a 640-acre almond orchard uses. That's a big orchard. Okay, yeah. So we don't use a lot of water. We really don't. Um, although beer is mostly water, mm-hmm. we don't use a lot of water, uh, certainly uh, relative to agriculture uses. So, um, and, I don't want to blow up your story here, but what, how, what's the total <laughs> acreage of almonds in the, in the, in the state, though? Oh, it's like 300,000 acres. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes, they're they're huge, closing huge. them down yeah. rapidly, though, is my understanding. Well, well they have to. Because eats, they have to, right. Who even eats almonds I anymore? Do. I love almonds. <laughs> like, by the pound? I mean, come on, a where, couple where, almonds a year. It's all anybody needs. California's big exporters. Where do you think almond, almond milk right. comes from? Oh. Yeah. I've never thought about it, Beardy. Ever. Who's milk? Neither have I. Male almond. No, like 10% of the of the water in California goes to almonds. Wow. It's not... Lot of that much, and but it's still that's a lot. Well, it's a lot of industry. Yeah. It's you, enormous. If yeah. you consider that ten percent of all water usage in California is municipal, <clears throat> all municipal water is only ten percent. The rest is ag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So it really hasn't been too serious of an issue. And in in essence, we actually import water into the state because sure. we buy our agricultural products mostly from out oh, of the state. So the it's water. very different. Very different than the wine industry that grows their. Their ag product here in the state. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to have to have you back because I feel like we could <laughs> talk to you about well, a lot of things, oh, Tom. Oh, okay. Just and one other thing. You almost alluded to it. What is the new legislation that just passed? There's two things. Uh, Wait, no, we can't. We're gonna, we're we only talk about it a little bit because we're hey, kind of short. Great, you know a lot. The the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the the latest one on the farmers market. Yeah, yeah, we good. just passed. Oh, right. So this was a CCBA sponsored bill that will allow uh, craft breweries who are at a farmer's market to be able to serve samples of their beer to the uh, people, the consumer at the farmer's market. I love this. Now, last year we passed a bill that allowed craft breweries to sell beer at a farmer's market. 
but this bill that was just signed by the governor will allow those breweries to provide up to eight ounces per person uh, samples of the beer before they try it so they can talk about the products and talk about styles and tastes of beer and everything like that. And We have two farmer's markets per week right out front of the Hop Grenade. I think yeah. that would be excellent to have yeah. brewers out there doing samples. Craft brewery out there. So, And I just have to say that I've been on a lot of radio shows, but this is definitely – the most fun I've ever yeah. had. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, well, even, uh, even though I brought up the drought, you're forgiving me for that? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, good. Well, and we're not done yet. I just meant I think we yeah. can dive into so much more with you, Tom. So yeah. we need to have you back as our as our primary guest one show, and you sit okay. here for two hours Any and, and time, bullshit with anytime, us. Anytime, believe me. It'll be a lot less fun. But what I do want to talk about <laughs> is your, your brand new event that you are putting out this year, yeah. the California yeah. Craft Beer Summit. Yes. Yeah. And now you guys do a kind of a craft brewers a california craft brewers conference but this is different from that yeah we do a conference two conferences every year for our members those are very industry related so it's really just it's an industry conference but the california craft beer summit is a um, expo convention conference for everybody anybody who is into beer in any way uh, should come to this conference so retailers wholesalers brewers Home brewers, beer enthusiasts, even people who just like don't really know anything about craft beer but want to learn more. It's a very educational, hands-on, experiential two-day conference. It's kind of like a home and garden show or a boat and sport show. Oh yeah, show, but for beer enthusiasts. God, when you put it that way, it sounds even better. <laughs> so we're not talking about just uh, you know a lot of technical talks for that might be over some beer enthusiast head. We're, we're talking about you. You can really just dive in if you're just. You just got into craft beer. You can go oh, there yeah. and learn yeah. something. Yeah. We'll have an expo floor with lots of exhibits. Um, we'll have each of the four corners of the – it's at the Sacramento Convention Center, uh, two days. And each of the four corners are dedicated to one of the four ingredients. So if you want to learn about hops and smell hops and see fresh hops, you go there. We have a corner dedicated to water, one to yeast, and one to uh, barley. Um, we'll have all kinds of talks and seminars, uh, everything from beer history to pairing beer with food, how to cook with beer. There'll be demonstrations on home brewing. There'll be so the talks and seminars are both technical and basic, kind of for everybody. Uh, beer styles, how to conduct a beer tasting at home. Oh, nice! Uh, all kinds of. Uh, educational talks and, and hands-on things to do and actually we'll be pouring quite a bit of beer as well so oh, you get good. to taste it in addition <laughs> to everything else what time is the craft beer pong table open <laughs> <laughs> all week long nice never close be there right <laughs> all right so it's coming up in september it's september uh, 11th and 12th yes i have that right yep uh folks you can go over to californiacraftbeer.com and you'll be able to click on the uh, 2015 craft beer summit there i'm looking at some of the headlining speakers you got and and you really got some great we have so many great brewers in california yeah, um yeah. <laughs> they're all on there. Every and they're, last I mean, one Ken Grossman's going to be there, and Greg Cook from Stone, and both Natalie and, and Vinny Chalurzo looks like will be speaking. Uh, David Walker from Firestone, who uh, was in the news this week, of course. <laughs> um, Steve Wagner, uh, another uh, co-founder from Stone. Our, our friend Brian Hunt will be there, JP, making, yeah. the, making the nonsense that Brian likes to make that we love to listen to. <laughs> 
Uh, Tony McGee. Um, what always, is the style? Always fun to listen Am to. Am I even talking? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I got an episode from Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> so go on over to CaliforniaCraftBeer.com. Um, you'll be able to click on the uh, Craft Beer Summit there, and uh, you can purchase tickets. You can learn all about the different uh, seminars that are happening. And it's a two-day uh, event. Two-day two event, and it concludes on the end of the second day. So on Saturday early evening, we have a Brewer's Showcase, which is the beer festival part of it. So okay. the expos, educational, with the exhibits, everything's indoor, Friday and Saturday. And then Saturday early evening, outside in front of the Capitol, we'll have 150 breweries wow. just from California pouring beer. And so many people are showing up, a lot of little tiny breweries from all over the state. So a lot of beers that aren't readily available out in the marketplace um, will be there. So Excellent. 150 California craft brewers pouring their beers. I'm very excited. We're going to be there on this inaugural event. We're going to have a booth, I believe, in the expo floor, and uh, we're going to shoot some of our video like we do. We'll do some of the on-the-road video so we can bring it home to some of you who won't be able to make it. But if you're in California and you're into beer or your friends are into beer, go over to CaliforniaCraftBeer.com and purchase tickets now uh, before it, it sells out, I would imagine. We're going to do our yeah, best cool. to help you, you do that. So, All right, Tom, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thank you. And uh, like I said, we, we need to have you back one of these days and just, just talk beer with you the whole yeah. time. Oh, man. That's easy yeah. for me to do. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> us too. We, we tend to be all right at that sometimes. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the folks from Gladfield Malt out of New Zealand. Don't forget, CaliforniaCraftBeer.com. Go get your tickets to the summit. We'll be there. We'll see you in just a couple minutes. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The Siebel Institute of Technology Continuing Education Campus is proud to present their advanced homebrewing course. It's the first ever advanced one-week course designed specifically for homebrewers. The advanced homebrewing course takes hobby brewers beyond beer kits and extract brewing into the realm of advanced brewing techniques. It's five full days of world-class brewing instruction at Siebel Institute, America's brewing school in Chicago. Information-packed, fun, and the perfect course for taking your brewing skills to the next level level you'll be surrounded by the midwest's most vibrant brewing community get more information at siebelinstitute.com s-i-e-b-e-l institute.com with instruction from ray daniels of the cicerone program chris graham from more beer brewing author and historian randy mosher and dr chris white from white labs yeast the siebel institute advanced home brewing course learn more at siebelinstitute.com since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over 
to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com brewcasters are back Yes, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to Tom McCormick for coming and hanging out. Can't wait to have him back talk more California beer. Hey, don't forget, Modern Homebrew Recipes is out. Booked by our good friend Gordon Strong over there, wherever he is. I forget where over he's there. Somewhere. He's somewhere. Yeah. He's, he's left of us. Ohio. Ohio. Whatever. Is he Ohio? I thought he was... I think he's... Mm, I don't know. Some, some good friend we are. I think he's Pluto. I don't even know where he... Uh, the Modern Homebrew Recipes is available, available now from Brewers Publications. You can go over to brewerspublications.com and check it out. Here's what Gary Glass had to say about the book. If you want to enter competitions or just learn more about styles that you might not have experienced with, this book is going to help you tremendously. By emulating what Gordon does, you're going to make better beer. Uh, by the way, Gordon Strong won uh, Ninkasi like three times in a row or some ridiculous Boo! thing. He's a ninja. <laughs> he's a ninja. And, he sucks. Uh, he's also, I think, the most highly decorated BJCP judge. Um, the man's a badass. Check out his book, Modern Homebrew Recipes, right now. <laughs> yes. um, that's his book title? Uh, yeah. That, well, that's, that's his next. Uh, yeah. You know, just hang in there for that one. It's coming out. Uh, all right. We've got Doug and Gabby Michael from Gladfield Malting with us. Doug, Gabby, are you there? Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Hey, thanks for being on the program. I appreciate it. Yeah. 
Thanks for having us on the program. What is it, like Tuesday, July of 2016 July, in New Zealand right now? I think it's a, you guys are a year ahead. You guys right? are a bit behind the ball here. <laughs> What's yeah. the future like? <laughs> Warm. I can tell what happens on a Tuesday if you want. <laughs> yeah. Also, does the world end? Because we're really bad at our geography here in the United States, um, I don't know if it was your country or the one next to you whose surfer just almost got eaten by a shark over the weekend. So oh, he, no. Yeah, almost, though. <laughs> he managed to dodge that one. That was uh, Australia, so close close to us, but not quite New Zealand. Yeah, it's a little sharks hanging out over there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, isn't that the cardinal sin that you, you like, confused the two countries? I think that's yep. what uh, the Kiwis hate the <laughs> no, most, Oh, really? Right? At the end of the day, we were like brothers. Good. Oh, okay. Excellent. He's lying, but excellent. Yeah. Just yeah. one's a lot taller. <laughs> I like to start my interview saying the worst thing I could say. Yeah. So you in know. Papua New Guinea over there, is that <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> how is not being able to hunt animals? Is that weird? Uh, they eat each other over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you folks are from uh, Gladfield Malt, and yep. they are Gladfield Malt. You are Gladfield oh, Malt. My God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we started up about eleven years ago. Now, I, I'm a little confused about the history, so I, I need you to help me out. So, yep. Doug, you started as a farmer, grow, uh, growing barley. Is that, do I have that right? Yep. No, uh, I was growing barley. I've been farming for 20-odd years now, and I've uh, been growing barley uh, there for 10 years, and uh, decided that uh, I wanted to take to the next step. There's probably a couple of reasons for that. One was because I've always sort of been interested in malt and taking it to the next level. And the other thing was, too, we had uh, local craft brewers around us who were looking for a, a more consistent product and they weren't happy with what they had and uh, felt as though we could probably do something for them. And we got started into the into the business and, um, yeah, one thing grew grew from, you know, from another. And, uh, yeah, it sort of got out of control. So, yeah, hobby, hobby got out of control. But. <laughs> Wait, so, so you are still growing barley as well. You didn't leave the farming side and just no, do multiple. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Property that we have is 165 hectares, and the whole property is in malting barley. So we grow barley year after year. But the business has grown, been that successful now that obviously we can't grow enough barley of our own. So we do contract to local growers who, uh, who are around us in the local area here. So they also supply barley into us. Okay. And are you, in New Zealand, can you grow barley all year long? Is there an off-season no, in, in New Zealand, uh, it's sort of similar to the, the UK climate, except we get a bit more sun than they do. Uh, so we start planting here in May, and that's our winter barley, and we'll harvest that there around uh, early January. Our spring barley goes in, in around August, September, and we'll harvest that only a month later than the winter barley, so it'll get harvested around February. As a as a home brewer who, who doesn't know a whole lot about the the different crops, I just go to my homebrew shop and buy it. Is there a difference between the the winter and the spring in terms of quality or what my beer tastes like? You shouldn't really notice a lot of difference. Really, the the winter barley varieties uh, have been in the ground a lot longer, so they've matured a bit more. They tend to have a slightly thicker husk on the outside. Uh, we tend to use those more for our English style ale malts. Uh, they tend to be a lower protein level. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're good for like the cast condition type ales. But uh, to be honest with you, no, you wouldn't notice a lot uh, coming out of our malt plant. Pretty okay. similar. But we like to split the plantings because obviously we don't all the eggs in one basket. We don't want to have uh, all our crops coming in for harvest on the same day. And it just uh, spreads that risk out a bit. I see. Okay. 
Are they the same variety? Just one plant's older and hardier, so it can flower in the uh, winter? Well, not, not really. So the winter crops are actually a, a winter variety, so they are able, they're bred to handle growing through the colder winter periods. Uh, and the spring varieties uh, breed more to be able to jump out of the ground and, and they grow over a shorter uh, period, so they're not in the ground as long. So there are different varieties. And so you've been doing this for 20 years, but you're like a fifth-generation far- barley farmer, right? Yeah, that's right. We've, well, I mean, New Zealand's not that old, so uh, okay. yeah, we uh, <laughs> about 150 years, and that's about it over here. So uh, anything that's uh, been around too long, the old historical society want to slap something on, you know, they'll knock it down over here. <laughs> right. that's but, his, um, so yeah. everything is historical, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick up You're that cigarette butt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny, eh? Because you go over to the UK and you, and you walk into pubs over there and they're about 500 years old. And you think, oh, shit, that's old. And then you go over to the continent and it's like 1,500 years. And jeez, you know, and you come back to little old New Zealand here and what? Anything that's over 50 years is <laughs> getting that way. But yeah, no, so we, we've been farming here for. Uh, for 150 years, not on this property, but um, in New Zealand. And, um, yeah, so I'm about the fifth generation that's been growing barley. Uh, that's excellent. So, all right, so y- you're a farmer, and, uh, Gabby, when, when do you get involved in the in this whole operation? Uh, 15 years ago? Were you in it from the beginning? Uh, when did Gabby come uh, into the picture here? Oh, when did oh, Gabby yeah. come in? I, well, I just oh, – I'm from Brazil. I decided to, to learn English. It's always been a dream. Yeah, and Gabby it, came from the Midwest of Brazil, pretty wild over there. When I met her, she couldn't even speak English. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so she's sure slang huh? and uh, the rough uh, cuts there, but yeah, I blame Doug for that yeah, one. Yeah, I taught her even she knows. <laughs> well, well G- Gabby, I have a very important question. Were, were you really into Doug's accent like American girls swoon over it? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand him for the first two months, so I might, he must have had something that I liked. That's, that's, yeah. that's why I actually uh, fell in love with her, because uh, when I was going out with her, it was the first bird that I actually met that uh, agreed to everything I said. Oh, oh right. Nodding her head a lot. It was six months later, I realized she didn't understand a bloody word I was saying. Doug, I'm pretty sure she still doesn't understand you. <laughs> and, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter, because he has an accent. Right. You see how it works? I think that's a secret. <laughs> but now that she's learned English, uh, she can protest the marriage. She had no idea. But wait, so in, in all seriousness, the, the two of you met, and you you couldn't really communicate in the same language. The universal language. Beer. <laughs> yeah, we call it love. Yeah. That's right. No, look, I, I, came, I was working on a dairy farm, and um, I'm from a beef country in Brazil. Okay. And I'm a fully qualified vet. So, you know, that gap year after finish uni, you're not sure what you want to do. I learned that New Zealand was uh, open for exchanges for work on dairy farms. So I put my hand up for that, came over, and Doug was actually the na- the neighborhood, and he went to school with my boss son. So that's how, you know, common friend um, got to know each other and, at the same time, Doug was looking into uh, starting the molding business, and that sounds fascinating for me. Add value to the farm or something that I was going back to my country and, and do something similar to the beef farm. But um, sort of these ideas, and he needed someone to help him out. And, yeah, it seems, seems the perfect fit for, for us. Yeah, no, she's a great wee worker. 
<laughs> so, yeah. So Doug needed a worker, and uh, otherwise she'd be out of there. And, the, and then once they met, it still wasn't enough. So they had a bunch of kids. And are you still in need of labor? Yeah, or? that's right. Yeah, no, we need to break break a break a workforce. Although it sounds to me like Gabby was maybe just getting involved to steal some trade secrets from you and then bring it back to Brazil. <laughs> Not quite. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. All right. No, it, it's, it's you don't grow good. Uh, <laughs> barley, barley growing in uh, Brazil is not as good as New Zealand, so I had to hang around. <laughs> yeah, no, it all worked out pretty well, really. We uh, we got together and um, started building our own mouldings, and we weren't just too sure how it would work. Uh, we weren't sure whether or not there'd be a market for our product, but we gave it a go. And uh, our first couple of batches out, we took them to some of the local breweries, and they were absolutely blown away by the uh, by the quality of it. And that gave us the confidence to go to the next step, and we uh, started putting some more equipment in and what have you. So let you me understand. let me yeah. just stop you for a second because. I just want to talk about how you even started with those first batches. It doesn't seem like an easy thing to just throw in some malting equipment and get started. What did you use to do these sample batches? Okay, so we were a bit lucky. Uh, there was uh, some old malting equipment that was local that had been mothballed, so we started uh, trying to recommission that, got it up and going, and made some malt through it. The equipment was, you know, it was okay, and uh, the product that came out turned out all right. Then we decided, uh, right, this is a goer. There's an opportunity here, and we so we redesigned all the equipment and starting adding adding more to it. Okay. We sh- shifted to the to the to the farm, so we could do the farming work and the malt works at the same time. No so we were lucky. We had we already had a cash flow with the farm income. We we didn't just grow barley at that stage. We were obviously in livestock farming as well as cropping farming. So that gave us a cash flow to keep going, and that was really important. But also it gave us a supply of good quality barley, and, and that is really the secret to making good malt is having high quality barley and making sure that barley is consistent going in. Were you doing this because you're, you were fans of, of beer and, and these local brewers asking, or did you think, hey, that we might actually be able to make money at this one day? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, it's like anything, you know, uh, if there's a wee bit of money in at the other end, obviously uh, it just accelerates the, the amount of effort that you put into it and all the rest of it. I mean, you've got to have a wee bit of reward there. But yeah. um, I think it was more just the fact that um, we were quite passionate about the barley side of it, growing that, and, and passionate about making the malt. Yes, I, I was always pretty keen on beer, <laughs> still am. Um, <laughs> although I must admit nowadays we probably get less and less time to drink it. Um, but, yeah, no, it wasn't really the beer side. I haven't really actually uh, been into home brewing, but I was always fascinated with malt and different flavors and, and producing the malt side of it. So that was really the driver for me. Okay. And then because I want to talk about the manufacturing process and how you guys have grown, I just want to give myself and, and our listeners just maybe a basis of what equipment is is required. I mean, first you have to kind of have these tanks to germinate um Barley, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, well, look, to be honest with you, the, the, the first piece of equipment you really need to do is set yourself up with is a good laboratory. And we worked out early on in the pieces that you know, the craft brewers, they're a wee bit like a one armed paper hanger with crabs. You know, they're trying to run around and do everything. Uh, you know, they're marketing their, their product and they're in charge of their staff and they're trying to make the beer and all the rest of it. So, And, and because they're and most of the time they're on a small scale, they don't have the ability to blend their beers away. They don't have uh, the, the, the equipment to, be able to, to make changes to the beer and all the rest of it. So they need a very, very consistent product that comes out the other end. 
and that, and that's really important for the craft brewer. Whereas the mainstream brewers is a wee bit different. They have you know hundreds and thousands of different uh, bright bright beer tanks, and whatever. They can blend away. They can add um, you know beer adjuncts and what have you. So we got the we had to get a, a laboratory set up first so that we could analyse the malt that was coming out and making sure that we had consistency of product. And, and you know, okay, yes, we had to have equipment for making the malt, which is the steep tanks, and then we had to have a germination box and kiln, and obviously need all the fans and and, and grain handling equipment, cleaning, and all the rest of it. But really, that the ability to be able to analyze your malt is really, really important. Sure. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I like the way you relate it to the macro beer industry too, that they can blend away these inconsistencies, but craft brewers don't have that luxury all the time. No, that's absolutely right. And so you know, they really demand a really high quality product compared to say the, the big breweries and that's probably why uh, you know over the years the systems have been set up in the big molding companies is that they do uh, you know they make reasonable malt but it's um, you know it's for a different type of you know purpose at the other end okay now do most maltsters you know, maybe i'm even talking about some of the bigger ones because there's some big maltsters right uh do they also grow barley like you do or is it pretty rare that uh, somebody grows it and then malts as well well i'm not really sure what goes on around the rest of the world i know in new zealand that we're the only ones that are doing what we're doing and i don't know of too many others uh i don't think there's anything in australia doing that uh yes yeah, so i guess in a way we probably are um, you know, a wee bit different than everything else. I mean, the, the big molsters, you're talking about millions of tonnes and that type of thing, and it's a whole different ball game altogether. It's a big industrial size stuff, whereas, you know, we're on a lot smaller scale. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's great to be able to have control of that. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of scale are you on? How much of a the New Zealand beer industry do you guys supply? Do you have any idea? Well, look, we only supply the, the craft industry, and uh, so we'd be supplying uh, pretty well most of the New Zealand craft industry, and now obviously we're exporting overseas into, into Australia and that as well. But, you know, it is a very small market in New Zealand. There's only uh, about 4 million people, so it's, it's a different uh, ball game compared to overseas, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you're looking uh, now to, to move malt into, we you sell in the U.S. and the U.K. and things like that? Yeah, possibly. We just want to. We're going to make sure we look after our local customers first. I mean, loyal to us. So we need to make sure we can grow sustainably and maintain the quality and the consistency. I mean, that's the whole whole key to it, and that's our point of difference. Okay, we can't match on price. Uh, we can only match on on quality, consistency, and service. So. Uh, you know, so it's, yeah, it's all very well growing, but sometimes some of those things might might be sacrificed, and we can't afford to do that. But who knows? Well, you know, we're, <laughs> Gabby, she's uh, no doubt about it. She's been really great in the business, and you know, the kids are coming on, and we'll just see what see what happens. I guess. I have to admit that if I'm you, uh, the barley growing is going fine. I've been doing this for a long time. Everything's good. This malting thing just sounds like a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because every now and then, you know, things go wrong. And like, you know, like in any industry, and you do come in uh, at night and you go, what the bloody hell are we doing this for? But it's amazingly rewarding uh, when you go along to uh, to some of the beer yeah. functions and all that and you see that your product's in the beer and they, these guys are winning gold medals and, and they're doing really well with it. And, and all the praise we get from the customers, you know, that's hugely rewarding. And I know Gabby's really had a big buzz out of that lately over in Australia with some of their product over there and into China and that. And, you know, it is a really, really uh, rewarding. 
basically what uh, we get of adding with the Māoris that we will never have as a farmer is to have the ability to see your product all the way in the chain, you know, yeah. you can see the, the, the customers enjoying it. And that's, for me, compromise, uh, you know, makes up for all the, the pain in the ass, as you said, yeah. <laughs> problems that we have along the way. So that makes sense. Yeah. I, I could see that. You really get to, it's a very hands-on approach, and you get to watch the result. That makes a lot of sense. How did you come to be known outside of New Zealand initially? Okay, well, we decided that uh, we wanted, didn't want all the eggs in one basket, and we went over to uh, Melbourne in Australia, and we approached uh, a couple of key breweries over there, and one of them was Mountain Goat Brewery, uh, who are pretty well known over there. They've done very well, and uh, they were wanting to make a, a red beer. So we decided to set out uh, making a unique red malt that would give a nice red colour in the beer. And we spent about three months developing that malt here in the, in the maltings. Uh, we've got a, an industrial-sized uh, malt roaster, which we imported in from Europe. And we played around with that, and we came up with this uh, malt, which we've trademarked as Shepherd's Delight. And we went over there with to Mountain Goat, and they put it into one of their beers, and uh, they had great success with it. And, of course, you know, in the brewing, craft brewing community, those sort of things, um, seen, you know, people seem to talk about it, and that's sort of that's how it all started. Okay. Here's what I want to do. Now, this is a great segue because I want to talk about what it takes to actually uh, hone in a malt, something like Shepherd's Delight. You know, you say you had to experiment with it, and, and I know the equipment matters. So I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, talk about how you hone in a, a malt to get what, what a brewer is looking for. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to do that. We're going to take just a little five-minute break here. When we come back, we're going to learn more about the malting process and how we actually get some of these unique malts from Gladfield Malt. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Your brewing water can be a mystery. If it's good enough to drink, it's good enough to brew with, right? We all know to perfect certain styles of beer, proper water chemistry is vital. But running water tests can be complicated and expensive, but not anymore. Industrial Test Systems is proud to introduce the new Smart Brew Water Testing Kits, incorporating the exact iDip Smart Photometer System. The only photometer on the market that harnesses the power of the smartphone and runs water tests without you doing a pile of calculations. The iDip features two-way Bluetooth communication with the brain of the system, which is its own multilingual app. This allows limitless possibilities, including lab accuracy, free upgrades, test customization, over 35 available, mobile sharing, and more. You can keep a detailed history of your results. Email your water report to other brewers or share it on social media. Visit smartbrewkit.com now and learn more about the iDip photometer and all the tests it can do for you. Craft beer and kick-ass music. This is the year to attend the 20th annual Mammoth Festival of Beers and Bluesapalooza in beautiful Mammoth Lakes, California. Enjoy more than 80 breweries like Mammoth Brewing, Anchor, Fireman's, Vera Republic, Anderson Valley, Stone, Green Flash, Firestone Walker, Sierra Nevada, Lagunitas, Deschutes, and many, many more. On stage, you'll hear Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue, Johnny Lang, Robert Cray, Robin Ford, Ruthie Foster, Carolyn Wonderland, Tommy Castro and the Pain 
Bone Killers, the Sly Brothers, and much more. It's the most incredible lineup ever to take a mammoth stage. Don't miss the 20th annual Mammoth Festival of Beers and Bluesapalooza, Thursday, July 30th through Sunday, August 2nd. Tickets and more information at mammothbluesbrewsfest.com or call 888-825-5484. Tickets for some events will sell out early. Get yours at mammothbluesbrewsfest.com or call 888-825-5484 today. For nearly 40 years, one organization has had your back. The American Homebrewers Association. Are you a member? <laughs> Why not? Join the more than 40,000 brewers who enjoy all the American Homebrewers Association has to offer. Like Zymergy Magazine, in print and online, plus the Zymergy app. Zymergy is the leading publication for amateur brewers around the world. Supporters also get member deals at their local breweries, bars, and homebrew shops. These alone quickly pay for your membership. You'll also get great member-only resources at homebrewersassociation.org and access to AHA events like the National Homebrewers Conference and the National Homebrew Competition. The American Homebrewers Association promotes the hobby of homebrewing, protects the interests of homebrewers, and brings beer lovers together become a member today it costs less than a batch of beer and gives back so much more visit homebrewersassociation.org Time Ninkasi Award winner and Grandmaster Judge Gordon Strong invites you on a guided journey of what's new in the world of homebrewing. Modern homebrew recipes, exploring styles and contemporary techniques available now from Brewers Publications. Gordon brings you specific advice and sensory profiles for as-brewed award-winning beers with delicious variations to get your creative juices flowing. This is more than just a book of recipes. It sets brewers on the path to discovering what's new in the world of homebrewing. AHA director Gary Glass says, if you want to enter competitions or just learn more about styles that you might not have experience with, this book is going to help you tremendously. By emulating what Gordon does, you're going to make better beer. Modern homebrew recipes, exploring styles and contemporary techniques by Gordon Strong. Available right now from BrewersPublications.com and find brewing retailers near you. I've had it! I am never putting hops in my beer again! What? Why? It's just too ridiculous! Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Segmented. Demented. Fermented. Fermented. It's the session. Yeah! Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us. 
Lots more to do today. Don't forget to go over to Beersmith.com, our favorite brewing software, the software that we all use around here. You can go to Beersmith.com right now and get your free 21-day trial, so you don't have to take our word for it. You can check it all out yourself on both PC and Mac, and I'm sure you're going to love it. Brad over there at Beersmith is also so sure, that's why he gives you a free trial. Imagine your best beer ever. Get step-by-step instructions for any recipe. Build recipes in just minutes, and you can brew with confidence because consistency is what separates the amateurs from the pros. Go check it all out at Beersmith.com right now. All right, we are still talking with Gladfield Malt uh, out of uh, New Zealand. We've got Doug and Gabby on the on the air with us. You guys still there with us? Yep. yep. All right, <laughs> beautiful. So we were just starting to talk about uh, a, a a malt that got you started, which was to brew a, a red beer, you said. So maybe we can use this as an example of what it takes to dial in a malt, and, and what are the different features? You know, how, Is it heat? Is it how long you roast it? Maybe just give us a kind of a bird's-eye view. Yeah, okay. I uh, can't tell you too much about Shepherd's Delighter. <laughs> we don't give away too much of our secrets there, but... <laughs> the thing is with the Shepherd's Delight malt is when we started out, we knew that we needed to to make a malt that was going to give a nice red hue in the beer. Now, it's very difficult to do because if you go too far one way, you end up with brown, and if you go not far enough the other way, you end up with brown as well. So the first thing <laughs> okay. we did is we started out, <laughs> make sure we chose the right type of, uh, of barley, and we were looking for a very fat, plump barley, which had a low nitrogen. And then uh, we went through the germination process. We used a nice, long, cold germination process so that we could get very good modification. And then we took that through to another step where we wanted to to make sure that we have enough free amino nitrogens hanging around in the, in the malt and enough sugars there so that when we put it into the roaster, we get the right mallard reaction, which is when you got the reaction between the sugars and the proteins. Okay. And, yeah, there's a lot of mucking around and playing around in, in the roasters to get the right temperature profile, the right moisture levels, because this reaction will, will happen at different levels. Uh, it's quite a complicated sort of a process. Yeah, it sounds a like lot a lot of, of – that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds like an awful lot of trial and error, just messing with different, uh, like you said, times and temperatures. Will- yeah, that's right. So, but it's all, you know, there's, there's certain things that happen, you know, that if you, you know, you put X factor in and you're going to get X factor out. So, I mean, it's, there is a, there's a wee bit, quite a bit of science to it, really, as well. You know, we're, yeah. we're lucky we've got a good team here at Dayfield Malt, great, um, you know, great staff. And uh, one of our guys we've got here works in the lab. He's actually uh, an American bloke, Caleb DeFries. Uh, he's been very good. He's been a food scientist, so he's helped us out a lot. And, uh, you know, so, you know, having all that support around us is, is, does make it a lot easier. Sure. So when you when you say, oh, we're looking for a, f- a fat barley with uh, a low nitrogen, is that something you can manipulate in the growing process? I, this end product is going to have a low nitrogen level, or is it just luck of the draw? No, it's something that we can manipulate in the growing process. Uh, during the growing season, we uh, can limit the amount of fertiliser that we use, and we make sure we, we're we able to ir- fully irrigate all our crops here, uh, so we can make sure we don't put the plant under any stress at any stage. And by just uh, manipulating the number of plants per square metre, we can increase the, the size and plumpness of the grain in, in, in the end. So there is quite a lot we can do to make sure that, that we get that. 
And just as a side note, just talking about how you fertilize and what you do to the crops, uh, all of New Zealand is pesticide-free, right? You don't, you don't have real pest problems, so you don't have to use pesticides? Yeah, I wish that was true. <laughs> uh, it's ah. a bit, of, bit of a fallacy, really. Those I Australians mean, keep going okay, yeah, we we do have um, you know different pests and bugs just like everywhere, and uh, we have to control them, and we have all different means and manners of doing that. I mean, on the whole, it's pretty good here. We don't have a lot of the, the bad um, weeds and, and diseases that we have overseas, so that's why we're pretty stringent on our border control here. So being an island, we, we are reasonably isolated, but we do have our own individual issues that we need to need to work through and manage. Okay. Well, you really busted our bubble. We had this uh, romantic, uh, pest-free <laughs> view of New Zealand. Well, because every time we talk to a New Zealand hop grower, we, we say, "Hey, you're you're you guys don't you're all organic," and they say, "Well, yeah, but not really because it's a law, just because we don't have to use pesticides." Is, is that what they say? Pretty much, yeah. That's what yeah, I've been told every time. The hops are a wee bit different. Obviously, they have less uh, different bugs and diseases to worry about. Of course, uh, sure. the biggest problem there, though, they haven't got enough of the bloody things, have they? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. is that you, you guys can get into that, too. It sounds like you don't have enough to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, we'll, leave, we'll stick to our knitting, eh? <laughs> so you mentioned then your, your business objective is to produce a consistent product. Uh, and and, and uh, Scott had a good question that kind of got you to talk about. Yeah, you can control some of the, uh, the the grain that comes into 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 your process, at least for some of your specialty yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how, what about on the, on the process yeah. side? And, yeah, no, look, and how does uh, the lab look, tell you what to do? I mean, the lab itself tells you what the content is, is and how it's going to react. Yeah. Uh, sounds like we're probably breaking up. So he's just wondering, what does the, how is the lab able to give you input to tell you what to do to help you manipulate the, the growing process? No, we may have lost all. Well, time. we don't really use the laboratory for the growing side of it. That's more just for the for the molding side of it. It's very important that we test the barley before it comes in. We need to know what protein level it is and make sure that it's up to uh, molting grade. We need to make sure it's 100% germination. Those types of things, you know, the germination potential and all that. So we test the barley before it comes into the molding side of it, but we don't use the laboratory side so much in the growing side of it. That's uh, that's a different ball game. Okay, but is, how about in the how about does it affect your process? Like, say you measure something in the lab, in the lab, does it tell you what? Well, you may want to germinate this for a little bit longer, or to do something at a different temperature yeah. in the malting, or yes. Yes, it's very much uh, a bit like brewing in a way. It's a living thing we're dealing with. So if it's a higher protein level, then the uptake of water sometimes can be slower, and we need to get the moisture level to higher levels in a higher protein barley so that we get the right type of modification. Otherwise, it becomes under-modified. You have problems in the brew house where you have you know, poor, poor filtration or perhaps lower extract. Uh, you may end up with beer haze if that, that particular barley hasn't been malted correctly. So, yes, if the different... Uh, Results that we get from the lab will tell us how to manipulate that barley during the molding process, whether we use lower or warmer temperatures right. in the early stages of germination or at the later stages of germination, the length of germination period, and the type of kilning regime we'll use at the end of it. So, yes, it is very, very crucial. It, it's great that you guys give so much information, like the stats, like a friability and the Kolbach rate, rating and stuff like that. Um, do you guys give uh, batch-specific information to people buying your grain? 
Yep. Yeah, so every batch of malt that goes out has a has a certificate of analysis, which will tell you exactly what that batch of grain uh, malt is. And all our malts have to fall within a specification. So we have a set specification, and so therefore if it doesn't meet within that specification, then it won't go to sale. Where can folks go to find you right now and get more information? I just want to make sure we get that out while we still can. Website? Uh, yeah, we've got a website, gladfieldmalt.co.nz. We have Facebook, Gladfield Malt, and we're on Twitter as well, at Gladfield Malt. So keep it simple. Yeah, very simple. Or you can just call on the site. Or you can eight. just come around. Yeah. Oh, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah I, I really go. I, I tried for the in-studio with these guys, but it's, it's didn't not happen. far. Don't you guys want to visit the U.S. and do an in-studio with us? Yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to get over there. Uh, I think it'd be wonderful. We're really uh, looking forward to one st- stage where we can take the whole family over there and have a good look around and say good day to everybody and and check out some uh, some of the good craft beers that are coming out of America because you guys are really leading the way, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying. It's mostly because we want to drink a lot, I think, is why we're leading the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's catching, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. So as uh, Justin mentioned earlier, we're a little uh, geographically challenged, but uh, luckily there's this thing called Google Maps oh. uh, on which I went to uh, look at the location of Gladfield. They're on the southern uh, island of New Zealand, like Auckland's at the top of the northern for reference, right? Okay. So there was a big earthquake that was right uh, near where you guys are. It was centered, I think, in Christchurch and Gladfield's just to the east Yeah, we uh, had, there was there. two major earthquakes. The first one was centered just next, uh, just down the road from us, uh, <laughs> and we had uh, quite a lot of damage in that earthquake. It, it certainly rocked us about. Uh, at the time, uh, <coughs> we were lucky that uh, we didn't have too much major damage to the equipment, but we did have a lot of minor damage to uh, ducting and pipe work and all the rest of it, and it certainly put the breeze up us all. And I know Gabby got a bit of a fright. She's not not used to earthquakes. No. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, the ground's not supposed to move? What the... <laughs> Yeah, and, and no, they were. It wasn't yeah. fun, I tell you. I bet. And they, they, they were big, like like seven points or something. Yeah, the I think it was an initial yeah. one that was seven one, and then there was a aftershock that was just like right next to you, right? Oh, the, actually, the epicenter of that seven point one was only about three two k's from us. Wow, so man! It was it was it was pretty powerful. It was early in the morning, so woke everyone up. Yeah, it's not it's not a good way to be woken up. <laughs> uh, but the equipment made it through that uh, unscathed, or was there the, the damage? Main, the main equipment. The big stuff made it through, and then we just had a lot of tidying up to do. We lost the water tanks and bits and pieces and stock everywhere. You know, it was yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a bloody mess, really. But uh, wow. anyhow, like I said to Gabby, at least we don't have snakes over here. So <laughs> there you go. Now, can, can I ask kind of a, a financial question, if you don't mind? And and generalities are fine, but when we talk to breweries, we, we we used to ask this question all the time, and now we kind of have the info. You know, there's a range of how much it costs to start a brewery, and about a million dollars is what a lot of people say now to, to start a, a brewery that you know has everything you need and, and enough volume what kind of investment goes into a starting a malt company i mean you already had the farm equipment but now you've got to have you said you imported stuff from the uk like a big industrial uh you know malt uh, i don't actually I don't even know what that's yeah. called the uh, furnace um but so could you just give me a range or an idea of what malt kind roaster. of investment uh, malt, malt oh what is it again 
Um, malt roaster. Malt roaster it, it is okay. a very, very expensive business to get in, into. It's uh, you need, you know, it's a bit like brewing. Of course, it's a lot of stainless steel equipment. There's a lot of computer controls that you really need. But it depends what level you want to get into. Whether you're not, you're just trying to supply a few local breweries, and they're not terribly worried about quality and consistency issues. Uh, you know, then you probably don't need to invest a lot of money. Probably two or three hundred thousand dollars. But if you want to get in to be serious about it and make sure that you can produce a quality, consistent product, you, you are talking millions of dollars. Wow. Uh, we, we sort of started out, we were lucky we built most of the equipment ourselves and we had the cash flow coming from the farm to keep us going. Hmm. But, you know, you, you are talking millions of dollars. Got it. Okay. Jeez. And Just for an example, the, the laboratory, yeah, we we're well over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of laboratory equipment uh, wow. just, just to set up on that. And like you said, a lot of that is to make sure you're on this consistency side, not just volume, but to make sure you can reproduce. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you got to be if you're going into it, you got to be serious about it, and you know you owe it to the customers that you can you know replicate the product, and and they're making some good beers out there, and they don't want to be tipping stuff down the drain just because one day you've seen them a batch that doesn't meet um, specifications. So you do have to, you know, you you've Commit, got to, commitment to the quality, and yeah, and yeah. that reflects into you know the business and and what we do. So sure, and, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and we, we, that's sort of what we hammer home with the staff. And like I said, we're very we're lucky. We've got great staff, and we've got uh, Dermot Dowling over in Australia, who's helping us out over there. He's supplying product into the home brew uh, shops and home brew brewers over in Australia. And, and guys like that coming on board. I mean, they've got the same passion as well as we have. And you know, you owe it to everybody to make sure you do a great job. Sure. Did you think about just doing floor malting? Because all you need for that is a floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you need a strong back and a good shovel. Yeah, right. There's a, yeah, a little more involved. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> well, you you mentioned your uh, your very expensive lab. How familiar with the lab environment were you before you built this one? Oh yeah, I yeah, I did a right at biology at school and chemistry. <laughs> I enjoyed that side of it. But look, you know, what I didn't have too much formal education. But it's like anything, isn't it? I mean, if you really want to learn about something. You, you will learn about it. I mean, it's like uh, I use the analogy: if you go to the pub, and uh, this is obviously when you're single, when you see some bird on the other side, you quite like. I guarantee you'll find out a phone number by the end of the night because you know you're interested. But if you're not interested, you won't. And and that's you know it's like everything in it in life. If you're keen on it, you'll learn it. See that description sounds more like what I know about you, Doug. I'm reading through my notes here, and you, you know you talk about that you were you know pretty interested in biology in school. I read that you were just into beer and rugby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and girls. Okay, right. So the second half of your answer makes more sense to me now, you know. <laughs> but you just yeah, figure it out, right? You, know, you, you, yeah. get, you get your hands dirty and you, and you go in and you figure it out, whether it's the lab or, or how to build the equipment or learn, whatever it takes. It. Yeah, okay. How, yeah, you got to learn hard work sometimes. So now you guys are you're, you're quite a, um, a good amount of years into this. How many different let's say, specialty malts are you able to offer at this point? Uh, good question, Gabby. What yeah, are we up to um, there? I know it's 27 all up. Okay. We've got 27 days. <laughs> there are 27 different types of malt, and of those, there's probably five or six of them are base malts, like your Pilsner and Ale, and then, of course, we're into some of the other malts that we make, such as our smoke malt, which we've brought out our new Manuka smoke malt, quite a unique flavour. Uh, Manuka's a unique product here in New Zealand. And that's got big uh, raves over in, in Asia at the moment. They're really going, going uh, wild over that, which is good. Let's talk about but that yeah, for Yeah, we're, we're always for trying to bring out a new product. 
Let's talk about sure. Manuka for a sec, so we don't get too far away from that. What what is Manuka? Is that the type of wood? Manuka is a native a, a native bush over here in New Zealand, and uh, has a, a unique uh, smell, especially when it's used for smoke smoking, uh, especially used in a lot of the seafood smoking and, and uh, food smokes over here in New Zealand. And so we decided to put that into our, our malt, and uh, we've had great success with it. How would you do that in house? Taste that. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? Do you uh, smoke it in house also? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. we. Um, it's a we, good story in that one. <laughs> yeah, we we made up our own uh, smoker to try and smoke it and give it a crack. And uh, I know, I remember at the time uh, we were doing um, trials on it, and uh, actually you ended up inhaling quite a lot of smoke, which uh, <laughs> wasn't 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 the best. But uh, yeah, it's certainly good stuff. Uh, but. <laughs> Anyhow, he made this malt, and um, Caleb, who does our lab, uh, was away on his um, annual leave, and we just left a sample there on the lab. And so when Caleb came back to try and analyse it and see if it's actually something we can sell. So he reckoned he was pretty element that, nah, there wasn't enough smoke, there wasn't enough smoke, uh, mm-hmm. I think it, the system works. So Caleb arrived and said, geez, you made that Manuka smoke, Martin, because the whole place apparently stank Manuka smoke. Wow. And because we were so, um, you know, inhaling the, the smokes for quite some time, we got, got numb to it. Didn't and we, we couldn't we smell couldn't it. Smell it. <laughs> wow. What about, in the, what about in the manufacturing of that malt? Does it carry over? Is that a problem when you, after you're done making a smoked malt, to switch over to another malt without having some carryover? No, it's not not an issue because what we do is when we finish the smoking side of it, we finish out the kilning stage, we take up the airflow and the heat quite high, and uh, that flushes the system out. Obviously, uh, the vessels that we use are all stainless steel, Hmm. so we hose them all out, and and we're ready for the next product. You said the product is taking off in Asia. Are they really into smoke beers? Over there? Uh, this is particular. Well, it's not just the smoke uh, beers, but uh, also in the whiskey distilling seems to be something that's starting to take oh. off over there as well. And uh, they quite like the idea of the Manuka smoke for, for whiskey distilling. Have you gotten to try any of that? Uh, yeah, Matt, um, Matt Thompson, actually. Uh, Thompson Whiskey here in New Zealand, which is he's a lovely guy and um, husband and wife team. They doing they did the first Manuka smoke whiskey, uh, the woods first, using our malts. And it's it's quite, you know, in the early stages yet, as you know, whiskey better as aged. But it's tasting pretty nice, I must say. I was privileged to go there and have a bit of a try. So Nice. Yeah, I try to keep away from it. It's a bit dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, it's funny. What, ha- what happened with... So I uh, the short straw to go out and uh, meet the clients and drink beer with them and then have, you know, sort of a, get the feedback on the malts and that. So my friends of in Brazil are pretty jealous, to put it this way. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> what happened with Doug and Gabby with the uh, smoked malt is the same thing that, hap- that has happened with, uh, with hops and Americans. Like, we've all blown our palates away with so much hoppy beer. No, we can't then now we can't. Even, this, this isn't hoppy enough. Yeah, can't taste it anymore. Yeah, I'm <laughs> probably going the same way with our smoke, yeah. Yeah, we have to start putting some Manuka smoke in it. <laughs> so, just to, so I understand the process of making a smoked malt, this is something we've never talked to a maltster about. Do you... Um, Roast the malt as normal, like you would, and get it to where you want it to be. That okay? This. So yeah, we and then smoke it afterward. 
Yeah, no, not necessarily. What we do is we put the, we start the germination process. We go through the steeping and then we start the germination. We go through about two to three days of normal germination. And then we start to introduce the smoke as a cold smoke, which is in the airflow during germination. Ah. And that smoke starts to adhere to the outside of the green mold. And because the green mold is wet, it starts the, the smoke particles start to adhere to it. And then during the last stages of the, of the germination, when we start the beginning of kilning, we start to increase the temperature of the air of the smoke, and then we we just finish off the smoke during the last stages of kilning. That's fascinating to me. I would think, yeah, that you just had to add it sort of at one spot, maybe at the end, but all the way through, basically. Well, after the germination, what obviously, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's about a four-day process of actually smoking it. And the ger- full germination process is around about five to six days, and then of course is about twenty-four to thirty-six hour kilning phase. So, you know, most of that time there is smoke going in the system, other than the first few days. Obviously, we want the germination to start out nice and rigorously, and we need a reasonable amount of oxygen flow going in the first stages of germination. So, therefore, we don't want too much smoke going in at that stage. And if it wasn't hard enough to dial in the time and temperature well, of a seems, regular malt, well, now to add part. how much smoke <laughs> is uh, as yeah. another variable. How do you measure s- smoke? Is it, do you have to do a sensory or do you like can actually detect how much smoke has been uh, absorbed by the grain? We, we can test the, uh, the, the smoke levels um, okay. <clears throat> in the lab. But during the smoking phase, we've got an, uh, an we automated smoker that we uh, we've built, so we've got that on timers and, and heat sensors and oh. air flows and what have you. So that's consistency. So smoke that's just flowing and the smoke so flows in it. It'll put out a consistent smoke. Okay, great. Are you testing so, for phenols, or are you just doing a sensory analysis in the lab? We're doing both. So you can test for phenols, which is very important because some customers will stipulate a certain level. Hmm. Uh, and so we can we can test for well, obviously testing the phenols, and then obviously there's a sensory as well. Wow. Do all of uh, your neighboring farms and other neighbors know when you're smoking with manuka? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, oh, that's interesting you say that. Uh, over here during the summer months, sometimes we have a fire ban put on, and it's quite interesting when we're doing our chocolate malts through the roast, so that's when we generate the most amount of smoke. And we've had the fire brigade turn up on several occasions, <laughs> and of course by the time they get to the shed to look where the fire's gone, the batch is finished, and they're wondering where the smoke's come yeah. from. So, yeah, we've been huge, caught out a few times. So now we just ring the fire brigade up and let them know when we're... Oh, you got to call them in yeah. advance. Yeah, oh, it's just, that's just yeah. Doug and Gabby burning <laughs> shit again. Yeah. 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 Well, you're going to be in big trouble if there's ever an actual fire. <laughs> That's true. If you ever have a real fire. We were talking about the different malts you make when we sort of stopped at the smoke. What crystal malts uh, you know, do you make? Okay, we do a full range of crystal malts. We obviously huh? the light, dark, medium crystal malts. We do another one that's quite unique, which is called a toffee malt. It is very similar to a crystal malt. In fact, we use green malt goes into the roasting drum and we sacrifice it. But instead of drying it out at a higher temperature, we dry it out at a very really low temperature over a long time. So we end up making what's more like a toffee type uh, malt. And that malt is quite soft. But it doesn't have a lot of colour build up and it's very good to go into the lighter style lager beers like the Marzins and those type of beers, which will give you a nice malty uh, taste sometimes you get with a crystal malt. So it's very good and it doesn't give you too much colour build up, so you can still yeah. produce a nice light coloured beer. Mm. 
and that's been a very uh, really good uh, big hit and of course the other ones that we make is our red back which is a great malt to use in conjunction with our shepherd's delight to make the red coloured beers and that has more of a currenty raisiny sort of a aroma flavour with it and it adds a lot more body and head to the beer just slightly less modified malt that's going through the roaster so every little malt has its own unique characteristic which can add to the beer so when you say you, you, you dry it cool, are you air conditioning the air, or is it just not heated? It's just not heated to the same level. So the roast is, is like a big coffee roaster in effect, and it has a lot of burners underneath. So we just turn those burners right down, and we just uh, got a lot more airflow going through the drum to evaporate the moisture out at lower temperatures. We could speed the process up and, and crank things right up, but then that's when you start to get the color build up in the roaster. And so we'd like to slow it down. It's probably not as efficient way of doing things, but it does make a beautiful malt at the end. So it's it's never really cool air. It's just warm or warmer. That's right. That's right. So now Tasty asked the question about what crystals you do, and you mentioned this toffee one and, and that it, it's a low color. Now, Tasty, you and I were talking about this with some recipe stuff. This is an important thing, right, when you want to add body to a beer, but maybe you still want a light-colored IPA or, or pale ale or something. So it's a rather unique crystal malt that you can maybe add more of it without making as much color. Am I getting yeah, that right? Yeah, low is very important, especially when you're trying to make a light-colored beer or you want the color to come from another source, not from your, not from your base malt. But you still want some sort of a dextrinous malt, like a like a sure. crystal. Yeah. Uh, but you, I just remember you kind of saying, "I would like us to add crystal, but we can't add so much that we change the color we're yeah. looking for." Yeah. So that's a that's something that unique that you're onto there, Doug. Yeah, we found it's a it's very very uh, successful malt, and we sell quite a lot of it. And you're absolutely right; you hit the nail on the head there. It's about trying to get that nice malty aroma, get a nice body, uh, head retention, a bit of residual sweetness coming through in the beer, but not building up the colour and not giving you that caramel effect that sometimes you get after in the back when you've when you put too much crystal in the beers. Sure. Oh, I feel like you should get your hands on some of that tasty. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might be good. Uh, excellent. It's, all, it's also uh, our youngest kid, uh, young Trev, his favorite malt. He comes into the malt house and he grabs handfuls of it. He loves the stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, do you ever make any uh, products for the kids with them, like you know, milkshakes or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, no, that's a bad example. That's like for maybe a goat milkshake yeah, or something. <laughs> Uh, I saw on your website that you have you list a separate malt as just distiller's malt, and it says that a sacrification rests in ten minutes. Does that mean it's fully converted in ten minutes at mash temperatures? That means that sacrification, yeah, you'll get sacrification in 10 minutes. So when we were doing our, our lab analysis, we'll do a sacrification test and make sure that we've got enzyme activity. So it's an iodine test that we do in the lab. So why would that only be for distillers? What would be the drawback for brewers using something like that? No, that's for all. That's for all the malts. We yeah. do that the standard test that we do. So uh, it just tells you that, that there's a good adequate level of of enzyme activity. In other words, your diastatic power is high enough. Now, one of the things with distilling malt, there's two types of distilling. Uh, malts really you've got people who want to make a single malt whiskey 
whether only just using straight malt, but then you've got people who want to make it more of a bourbon-style whiskey where they're going to be converting other grains such as wheat or whatever. So those people who are making the bourbon-style whiskies require a distiller's malt that's very high in diastatic level, so it's got a lot of enzyme activity. So they're not so much worried about extract. They need the enzyme activity to convert the starches of all the adjunct that they're adding in, whether it be unmalted wheat or whatever other grains they're using. So therefore, you have two different types of distiller's malt. And the guys that are doing the, the single malt type whiskies, they want as much extract as they can. So you need to use a low nitrogen barley to make those type of distilling malts. So just all they're after is trying to get as much alcohol as they can with one crack. So that's controlled mainly by the, the barley variety, not anything in the malting process. Uh, yes, it's, it's both the barley uh, coming in for a, say, for like a bourbon style distilling malt needs to be high in protein because that way you're going to have a lot more potential enzyme activity, but also the way you malt that. So you would want to get the moisture levels up very, very high early on in the, in the malting stages, and you need to get good uh, temperature control, get those enzymes really producing and get a high, what we call diastatic power, get a really high DP. Uh, whereas the uh, the single malt whiskey, you'd use a low nitrogen barley. Uh, you wouldn't probably require the malt to the moisture to get as high in the early stages of germination, and you would keep your temperatures a bit cooler. And maybe you would make your germination period last longer. You might go into a say seven day germination, and you're germinating probably around about 12 degrees. Celsius rather than for the high diastatic malts where you'd be germinating at a higher temperature. Would there be a flavor difference if a brewer used that as a base malt instead of just kind of your, your pale ale malt or American ale malt? Uh, you will notice a slight flavor difference. Obviously, the distiller guys aren't really looking too much for flavor uh, because they're just using it as, as uh, a converter of starches. So you will notice uh, some flavour difference in, say, your base, um, you know, your, your light ale malts or your pilsner malts. Okay. Question from the chat room from our listeners came through. Um, this might yeah. be a bit of a tough question, so it maybe requires kind of a general answer. But um, he writes in, what does New Zealand malt taste like? <laughs> uh, but actually it goes on to say, uh, like, you know, the British malt has a taste that's different than Belgian malt, and, and Belgian malt's different than American. So something along those lines. Yeah, well, the feedback that we get from our customers is that they say it, it tastes just fresher and cleaner and has a real uh, more of a burst to it. And that's what we're getting back from the feedback from our customers. It, it just it, it tastes fuller, I guess, just more sharper and... Okay. A little more bright flavors and things like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, being fresh alone, right, there, j just that alone, obviously, I think would set it aside for you locally. Um, so did you, did you ever have a flop? Did you ever have something you were really excited about and you're like, this is going to be great, and but it didn't really take... Yeah, we we always you always have um, instances like that, and you, you know you 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 have that all the time, and you know because we're always trying to push the boundaries and try something different, and um, normally though those flops if you you work on them and and try manipulating the process you, you generally end up coming up with something pretty amazing. So can you give us the most recent example of one that didn't work and then how you changed it? 
Um, well, I mean, the Shepherd's Delight was a classic example of that. Uh, when we tried to do that, I mean, it took us a fair while. We had a lot of flops doing it, but then all of a sudden it just came right, and we had to make a few changes in the times and the temperature regimes and things like that. And yeah, that so that I mean, the first one that we did of that was a complete disaster, and um, you know, the, the local um, dairy farmers did pretty well out of us. Oh yeah, is that what you, is that what you do with it? You use it for animal feed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of fat animals around here. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's kind of the beauty of being a full circle, the way you're doing it, too, where you're farming, you're, you're growing, you've got livestock of your own. So failures just move to another department, right? Yeah, right. no, we just pass it on. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. You and guys, your steaks have great marbling. <laughs> you've got a lot of lifestyle blocks around us, and they all have, you know, a chook or a pig or a couple of calves and yeah they come they come handy when when um especially for the screenings too something to a valid point to the gladfield we do a, a very um vigorous um screening screenings from from the malts and the, the so barley just so. a byproduct we have the malt yeah. comb and, and the skinny grains and all, all that that so comes out so we just put that into a stock feed okay hey, uh, gabby are you still an active veterinarian there no, no, I'm, yeah. um, I'm, on, I'm a marketing um, and mum at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something. That's kind of like being a vet. In our, in our workplace, nobody cuts themselves in our workplace because uh, she stitches you up. Ah. She oh, yeah. like, so nobody cuts themselves anymore. Right. <laughs> to kill your anal glands, too. I've but, kind of... but, but going back to your, to your listener there, uh, guys, um, about what Gladfield tastes different, um, they say that uh, – I've got a feedback from one of my clients, and he said that um, the Gladfield exclusively with Pilsner, Vienna, and wheat uh, brings a delicious baked pastry and honeysuckle sweetness to the beer, which is very ambiguous to the New Zealand barley. So maybe something that complements a bit what we said about how our malts taste like. Yeah, that's a great descriptor. I have a a kind of a basic question. I apologize if it's a little too, uh, you know. What's your favorite color? A little too on the nose. Um, Do you guys find (laughs) that that the use of water sprays resulting in transient increases in compounds such as like 2-cyclopentene or uh, or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that, yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to find the butt like (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I don't want to like get too technical with anybody, but. Wait, did you just Google like the word, like the most technical? (laughs) Are you assuming that I don't know malt compounds? Did it sound like he was reading or something? (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. You know, you ask one brilliant <laughs> question, <laughs> the whole thing shatters. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I, yeah, I have a question, but this is a serious one. Uh, I, I found in my <laughs> home brewing, in my home brewing, that I get uh, a better attenuation, and I guess you would say uh, better diastatic power if I mix base malts. Is you, is that something that you've experienced, or heard, or you consider? Uh, like are, are enzymes enzymes? Are or does some malt uh, or varietal malt produce different enzymes and thus uh, able to uh, let's just say attack uh, long chain sugars differently? Yeah, you shouldn't need to. I mean, a, a modern day malts now are pretty efficient sort of things. You shouldn't need to have to mix in anything. Uh, yeah, I guess it's more about to do with the quality of the malt using. I don't know. But you shouldn't yeah. need to uh, mix yeah. it in. You should get full right. uh, conversion with uh, modern-day malts now. Though. All right. The only thing I can add is in my malt bills, I'm, I'm often using 
a lot of like you know dextrin sort of malts that have a lot of high degree of, of unfermentable uh, uh, dext- yeah. dextrins, and and yeah. I still get uh, attenuation as if I wasn't using those malts. If you mix the base, if I mix the base malts, no. So you're saying you're still getting good attenuation? Yeah, but yeah, I'm getting as if those those. Uh, well, he's saying he's getting better right attenuation if he mixes, if he base does a blend of the base malt. Than he does if he just uses a standard a single base malt and then has these other higher dextrinous uh, malts. Well, I mean, it probably makes sense. I mean, if, if the different malts that you've got have uh, been modified and they've got different enzymes there to, to attack different chains and parts of it, but a good balanced malt, you shouldn't need to do that with. Got it. Thanks. I, I got a question, uh, and Warren, this might uh, you know interest you, or I don't know, it's based on you, uh, where your uh, um, I don't know, um, realization yes. or whatever, w- working at Heretic, uh, where you had the um, kilned, the dark malts, like the black patent and stuff from uh, England, I think, uh, you were getting like a, a green bell pepper note in some of those darker beers. Oh, yeah. Have you guys experienced uh, any variation with your, your darker malts when you roast them, getting some green pepper compared to coffee notes? Uh, no, we haven't haven't noticed it. We we've got a unique way we do our, our dark chocolate and our light chocolate malts. We actually the malt going into the roast is actually well, I probably can't say that. <laughs> I don't want to give away all our secrets, but we do have a different, unique way of doing it. Uh, and yeah, I, I haven't to be honest with you, I haven't experienced that. So I think that you should keep that a secret then uh, because I've also experienced that flavor in other beers. We've talked yeah, about yeah. it on this show before, yeah. Beardy, where we've had uh, some of these dark beers come in with dark roasted malts involved. I, I think Nathan Smith was real good at pointing out some of those characters for us mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, thinking that it's a byproduct of, of somewhere in the process. So, Beardy, if you want to make non-green peppery dark beer at your new brewery, I think you have to use Gladfield malts. Right. right. You guys don't ship in the, to the Northern Hemisphere, right? Well, if you pass enough, you might. And, Beardy, I feel like if you were serious enough about your new brewery, you'd just go get it. You do what you got to do. Have you guys done experiments about how your malt malt mashes upside down? (laughs) Because it's a whole other hemisphere. Right, right. (laughs) In the back. Hey, put that expensive expensive lab to work. I'm willing to experiment if you want to send it up here. (laughs) Right. I mean... uh, Sounds like a deal. <laughs> so get a hit of time. Some of those flavors that, that Warren was was finding, uh, but you they weren't there all the time, right, Warren? So it, but right. can something like that, like a compound, like like a green bell pepper ish compound, vary from you know lot to lot? Is that are those some things that you guys can can control? Those I don't know. I would I would call them an off flavor, but I don't know something like that when the higher killed malts. Yeah, well, look, there's probably there's, you know, three or four things that might be causing it. It might be the barley that's going in. Maybe there's you know, some mycotoxin type of thing on it, you know, fusarium sort of contamination, that sort of thing that's it's building up more on the germination process and it's coming through there. Uh, it could be the way that the burner's set up on the roaster. You, it depends what sort of fuel that they're using in the roaster, what they're burning it. it might, what, mm. you know, uh, there could be some uh, nitromycerine uh, contamination coming through there. Perhaps you should ask for some tests on that malt to see what the NDA levels are. 
um, that could be what it's causing it. It could be something that is just maybe the the use by date on that on that malt should be checked out. Maybe it's something that's just built up over time during storage. The, you know, there's a there's a number of things that could be doing it, um, or whether you know whether it's something in, in the brewing process. I do think it, it in Thank general you. it comes in waves. So I, I I'd be willing to guess that it has to do with maybe like the the batch of barley mm-hmm. that a maltster gets. Um, but I'm just glad to hear that it's not the brewer's fault. Is it all coming from the same supplier? Um, I think at least at Heretic, we never changed suppliers. Um, and so it one day it kind of just started showing up. And then after a while, it just stopped. And in talking with other brewers, um, kind of comparing notes on what roasted grains they used, um, a lot of the time it was consistent with the same maltster, but it was coming across in a couple other uh, maltsters as well. Well, and that, that's what's setting Gladfield apart from the vast majority of these operations, right, is that they are growing and malting. They're not just getting a product in and, well, we got to use what we were given. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, something that's worth looking into, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd appreciate you sent some notes over. It would be great to um, just to do some uh, research on it and just find out exactly what it is. That sounds like yeah. work. <laughs> right. Next time I come across it, right now we're in a good phase where we don't get a lot of the green pepper flavors. Good. Ne- next time it happens, I'll let you know. There we go. Cool. All right, you two. Well, listen, Doug, you must not have been very good at rugby because you're pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't get tackled. Yeah, no, enough, right? actually, it's funny you say that. I had to give up rugby because I got knocked out too many times. Oh, is that, really? <laughs> well, then you just got a hard uh, noggin, he man. Wasn't, he wasn't fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you, were you, no, on, were you told? You I was fast enough to catch Kirby. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, you, but she's a girl. Were you told by a doctor you couldn't play because you got your bell rung too many times? You're on to it. Oh, no. That's bad. <laughs> Remember what happened. Very own Steve Young. Well, you've done fine. Uh, <laughs> folks, you can go to gladfieldmalt.co.nz and check it out. Just Google Gladfield Malt, and it'll, it'll come right up. You can, look, uh, you can look up what we've been talking about there on their website, and you can contact them with questions or find out when they might be coming to a market near you. Uh, yeah, great pictures on their Facebook page. And, uh, oh, good. They have pretty bags. I say that. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice bags. Nice color coded. Like Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I must be Gammy's touch. Uh, good, see? <laughs> Excellent. That's because you're married to Doug. You know what it's like when there it's complicated. <laughs> well, and I, I know that a, uh, a stateside trip with the kiddies is on the bucket list. So when you plan that, you got to let us know so you can visit us here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Look, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a, a wild air. We really loved it. Good. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're glad that you had fun, and thanks so much for spending time with us today. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Good Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. All right, folks, that's Gladfield Malt. And uh, once again, you can check them out at gladfieldmalt.co.nz or just Google it. They come right up at the top there. And uh, nice people. And what an endeavor. I mean, to already be doing all of that farming and then go figure out how to malt. Uh, yeah. You know, I was partially joking, but maybe much more serious when I said it really does just sound so complicated. I, what an endeavor to take on after yeah. after after a twenty year career already as a farmer. Hey, I don't know. Let's pick up this malting thing. <laughs> You're wearing a lot of hats, right? Uh, I mean, the, yeah. the lab environment could, could you be any different than the uh, you know swinging the hoe out yeah. in the fields environment? Yeah, yeah. but I think also it probably makes them better farmers sure. uh, at the same time, and, and you make a lot more money. Uh, and he makes <laughs> being a maltster than a than a grower. Oh, yeah, like the, yeah, the, the money per pound of barley going out the door as a malt uh-huh. is way more than if they were just selling it to another. 
rancher or, or whatever going to feed. Got it. Yeah, but let's be honest. They only they only really work like two times a year, right? Well, I mean, come so on. they they get one <laughs> they sheep. They get two they, sheep instead of one sheep per pound of barley. Yeah. I think over there they, they harvest and they burn it and then they sit around for the next harvest. And they yeah, don't even do on. it anyway. Their kids do it. See, it's oh, God. I guess when you put it that way, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe let's go get them back online. Yeah. Hey, let's, hey, let's sort this. Turns out. out you don't do anything. Yeah, what a crock of shit. I'm surprised that 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 earthquake did not affect them more than it did. That yeah. that. 7.1 for those of you who aren't, That's you know, big. they don't live in a Richter scale affected areas. Yeah. It's a huge earthquake. Yeah. And it was centered right next to them. Yeah. I was That's... expecting their whole place to just be totaled. Uh, it sounded like there maybe was some damage, but uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, but sometimes big industrial equipment like that is just sitting on a floor. We're not talking about like high rise stuff here. But I bet like underneath, I bet plumbing is yeah, what cracked. What I and, uh, yeah. Well, I wonder if it just has to do with the, the, uh, the makeup of New Zealand. It's different than it is like in the Bay Area or something like that maybe it's more that it wouldn't be as rocky. violent or, yeah i don't mm-hmm. know well the whole island probably just sunk into the ocean yeah. Five yeah, feet. well I, i'm not sure about that a lot of people died in that in that earthquake oh okay so yeah. i don't i just yeah, but, but yeah. mud huts crumble uh, so <laughs> straw ceilings don't hold <laughs> right. yeah talk to yeah. haitians about that that's true yeah. they, they know i don't know any haitians or i you don't to them. Yeah. you don't know uh wyclef jean you're dumb not personally uh, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we got lots more to do. We got some beer news. We got some feedback. Um, yeah, we got some fun stuff hanging on. Uh, so, so stick with us. Thanks to Gladfield Malt from New Zealand for being with us. Once again, gladfieldmalt.co.nz. You're listening to the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Say hello to my little friend. You've heard about White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of pure pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. 
www.whitelabs.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today adventures in homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes some of the things homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the brutus brew stands and propane burners the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven pound hopper custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels coolers and mini sized brew pots the brewers at adventures in homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all grain brewing adventures in homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. Brewing Network listeners receive 10% off their homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code IPA at checkout. See terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thanks for sticking with us. Got a little more to do here. Hey, don't forget that our friends over at Beer Connoisseur Magazine are uh, starting the Beer Connoisseur Club. That's right. The Beer Connoisseur Club, you can go find it right now over on uh, Kickstarter, I believe. Uh, That campaign is done. Oh, they finished. They did, but it it is still a great magazine. Oh, why is it on my commercial log then? Uh, Ask Beverly. Mm, She's fired again. 
She's getting fired like three times a week right now, I think, that <laughs> poor girl. Got the sandwiches wrong. Well, go check out our friends over at Beer Connoisseur Magazine anyway, and hopefully you signed up for the Beer Connoisseur Club because uh, they're good people over there and they make a good product. That magazine's pretty sweet, so check it out. Uh, Bev, you don't have to be here. You're fired. <clears throat> yeah, you just got fired. Yeah. 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 Oh, Permanent vacation. We'll send the check. Yeah. Keep ordering sandwiches, though. <laughs> How did, what did she screw up on the sandwiches? <laughs> I don't know. It's apparently everybody complains to her about something. Last week it was oh, coleslaw, sure. and this week it was something else. I don't know. What. No coleslaw? No coleslaw, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't really do it right. I Whatever. Mean, I'm sticking up for you here. I'm just, oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're uh, fired. <clears throat> yeah, right. All right. How about we do some beer news? Sure. Oh, love it. All right. Do we have a beer news sponsor today? Uh, yeah, the Wine and Hop Shop. Beautiful. Uh, their campaign is not done. <laughs> Go to wineandhop.com and uh, you can uh, find uh, all sorts of stuff for your uh, winemaking and beer making. And uh, it's an awesome site. Check them out. Wineandhop.com. All right. And let's see. What do we got in the news today? I, I Justin, I'm actually surprised that um, I know you said you're um, scared of death in the first segment. But yeah. uh, did you consider suicide this week? I did. I've, um, you know, listen, let's face it. My life is over. Uh, my favorite brewery on, in the world got bought out this well, week, and, uh, you know. Now they're un-American. Now they're, <laughs> it's all over. Well, they're yeah. half-American because they're partners. Uh, Actually, now I know the story you're about to tell, and I'll just preface it by this, and then you can they give all the details. Uh, if any brewery knows what they're doing, if I'm going to have faith in any brewery that they're, yes. that they're making the right moves... Firestone Walker is that brewery, so I've been making jokes about how I'm real worried about it and that my life is over, but I could care less. I think I'm pretty sure the beer is going to keep being stellar. So anyhow, go ahead. Well, that, yeah, and that, that is the gist. The story, yeah, is that uh, if you haven't heard, Firestone Walker announced that it is uh, not being bought out per se, but combining, they say, operations with Duval Mortgat out of Belgium. Yeah. None of the financial terms of the deal have been disclosed yet, so we don't know uh, who paid who what. Uh, Duval already owns Omegang and Boulevard, uh, but it does not appear that Duval flat out owns Firestone. So David Fire, David uh, Walker was asked uh, several questions. So uh, he was asked, um, was Firestone bought out just straight out? And he said, uh, quote, I would prefer to say it's an investment. They are going to help us build out our current brewery. They are a family-owned craft brewer and have been craft brewing for 150 years. Their help will be invaluable. See, here's uh, the thing about that quote. He didn't say no. He didn't. Say, <laughs> right. He did not say no. And in right. fact, all he did was give it another title. And so again, I'll restate that I think Firestone is always going to make the best moves for their beer. I have no doubt in my mind. So I don't care whether they're bought or not. But I'm a little weirded out by all of the the secrecy around it. And I do think that uh, I just think that by saying I would prefer to call it blank is almost closer to saying yes, we were bought out. Then it is closer to saying no. It is. It is Does closer. that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense, and it is closer. But so he, just here, he goes on to say, uh, it's our desire to expand our brewery without becoming wed to a banker. Craft brewers understand craft brewers. We're in the same tribe. So if they, instead of using Duval money to expand their brewery, went to Bank of America, this is an example, and got a whole bunch of cash from them to expand their brewery, would you? It's the same thing. They're using somebody else's money to expand their brewery. And if it wasn't we, a buyout, yes. In other words, and in fact, the answer to that question would be, we got an investment from the bank. It would be pretty cut and dry. And no, it would be well. That's no, we didn't get bought by the bank. Okay. And then it was an investment. Well, he, but he didn't well, say no. He didn't say no, but he did say yeah. it's an investment. He, but yeah. he didn't say the no part. You're right. He says I would prefer to call it an investment. 
which yeah. is sort of which to me means you're deciding how you'd like to to spin the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a long term <clears throat> agreement. For sure. It's not just here's an investment of here's an influx of cash and you guys pay us back. You're not getting a private loan. It's it, They're in a, a long-term deal yeah. to the point where <laughs> someone asked him if, if we were going to see Firestone Brews being brewed in Cooperstown where Oma Gang is. And he goes, uh, you know, uh, that might be something that could happen. So they're already – I mean, they're, yeah. they're kind of talking about it. But those things are very – like those are all the things I'd expect to hear. Like why else right. Why yeah. else be, you know, merge or, or that, partner or anything? That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. that's a that's, – that's a straight answer. more of a yeah. proof to like it, – it's not just a mere investment. It's, it's – I mean, you got to fund that 805 brewery somehow, right? <laughs> so look, let's, yeah. just, let's yeah. use Belgian money and do gotta it. Got to make 805 somewhere. And they're two privately held companies, so it's none of our business. So that's – And we could and never – And it's possible that we'll never know what the terms and amounts and everything and, are. And so that's correct. And when I say I'm weirded out by it, then I say that it's sort of in jest uh, that, that they're not giving details because you're absolutely right. They don't owe it to any of us to give details. They're, they're not a publicly uh, owned yeah. traded company. Yeah. So I think, Beardy, that you're absolutely right about that. But I just uh, – you know, if you're going to say something, just – I don't know, say it. Yeah, or don't I mean, say it, anything at all. It was obviously spin. <laughs> just don't say yeah. anything at all. Just well, go, went, I don't – no comment. <laughs> well, he wanted to move it away from that they've been bought out. He wants yeah. to, you know, paint it more as a merger or a cooperative thing. Which, which it very well may be. I, I don't have yeah. these answers. I'm just, I'm, I'm only dissecting the statement itself. Sure, right. his lack of other, uh, a direct answer. Yes. Now, I will add that there is some speculation about the price too. There's not zero information, although maybe it's uh, zero like finalized. A couple numbers have been thrown out, and one of them I found interesting because it was based on some other buyouts that gave a an actual way to evaluate a brewery. So the first one that came out was about a hundred million dollars. Wow. So I I saw I saw a bunch of guessing, but I didn't report right. it because yeah, none of yeah. it's been confirmed. But wow, really, not confirmed. Million? But then the second one that came out from I believe it was Beer Marketers Insights was closer to two hundred and fifty million, Get and this was here. the one that was based on um, a statistic from other breweries, uh, which was a way hmm. to evaluate breweries uh, and and how they what their purchase price might be, and that is a thousand dollars per barrel. So it was insinuating, based on some other recent purchases, that the going rate for a brewery like Firestone right now is about $1,000 per barrel, which would make $250 million um, close to the purchase price, according to what I read in uh, a, a little blurb from Beer Marketers Insight. If they so, were being purchased. Um, right, that's 100%. If they were being purchased, yeah. that's that's right. right. So, again, none of the, now I'm not saying these numbers are facts by any means whatsoever. I just found that that number pretty interesting, uh, 1000 yeah. bucks a barrel. It's pretty good. Here, here's my What's guess. Jamil, how many barrels is Jamil making right now? I don't know, $6,000? Six, oh, oh he's, got a, he's got some yeah. time to go. Right. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Don't sell, Jamil, don't sell. Here, here's, here's my theory on it, right? And I just made it up right now. It's, it's, it's not vet at all. Uh, so they were over somewhere, the Firestone people, looking for a, a giant brewery for the 805 brewery, which is the rumor, right? Uh, then they met with the the Belgian people, and they go, oh, you're going to put that in there. Uh, that's an expensive brewery. And they go, yeah, we just don't have the, the cash flow right now. How about we do it, and then we get a cut of all your 805 sales? And they go, yeah, great. And so they bought the equipment, and they're going to open the brewery, and then they're going to get a portion of the 805 sales. If, I'm kidding. I don't know. It sounds good, though, right? I was going to say to you, if that's what happened, uh, David Walker uh, uh, is a genius. Yeah. Well, they're bo- yeah. they both are. I mean, that would be a real win-win, wouldn't it? Yeah, here, yeah. Belgians, you front, you put up all the cash to build the new facility to bring this, this uh, big-ass system over here yeah. and get us up and running. 
And, uh, you know, we'll give you like 10% of all 805 sales. That would be such a sweetheart deal. Well, it, it wouldn't even really be considered a risk by by Duval and the Belgians, would it? I mean, it's, look it's, kind of, it's, we're starting rumors over here now. It's too, not a right? 805 needs to prove itself. Oh, we're going to yeah. build you a huge brewery, and then who knows? No, no, you do know. Yeah, we're, it's we're a in the media, deal. Justin. This yeah. our, our, our our yeah. is right. You know what I heard? <laughs> right. Yeah. They're actually building yeah. shit on the moon right now. Yeah. It's weird. I thought it was Pluto. <laughs> I can't talk about it right now. Well, that's all the speculation I'll do on this story. I just found some of that. I just found some of the chatter pretty interesting. Yeah, and just to wrap up some of the chatter and the the statement from uh, David Walker, uh, he he was asked, "Well, what about Duval buying out Boulevard? You know, it's how is it different?" And uh, he he asserted that Boulevard's ownership was looking to retire, mm-hmm. so it's a completely different deal. Uh, David feels like they're just getting started yeah. uh, as an ownership group, and yeah. they, they don't have any interest in letting go of the reins. So that's the con- so yeah, sorry, Tasty. But that's a statement then that to me is then opposite of his first statement because that one says yeah they didn't sell. But that's no that's not that much different. It was an opposite. Yes, each yeah. company had to decide what they were worth, what their value was. Yeah, that included uh, Duval Mortgard mm-hmm. and Firestone Walker and Boulevard, right? So when it came to like you know, what's what percent ownership is this combined thing going to be? Yeah, it's based on those values. Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, that's a trend. If you're retiring, it's fine. If you're staying, fine as well. Yeah, that's it's, a good point. Yeah, yeah. Right. and those comments are a trend amongst all of the big guys getting bought up. They'll say stuff like that when the deal is fresh, <laughs> and then six months later, oh, we retired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we tried to reach David Walker for a comment, but he, his cell phone was <laughs> off because he was on a right. yacht somewhere. So that is true. I will state, and, and again, a little speculation here, but I think it's common knowledge, that the, the both Firestone and Walker in the Firestone and Walker union um, <laughs> had plenty of money before Firestone of their own. In yes. other words, like they don't have plenty of money to fund some enormous billion-dollar brewery. I don't mean that. But they don't, I don't think they got into the beer industry to make themselves rich and so and i don't think they would have to exit the beer industry to make themselves rich i guess is what i'm getting at i think they're already rich is what i like they came into the thing that way yeah i don't know this personally so i'm not giving away personal information that i have i just think it's i think it's common knowledge that they came you know there was a wine thing and there was family money and they were doing okay so that's i guess i'm just saying that might be the difference here they well, don't I mean, need be- some sort of cash exit strategy. So we're not, I don't think we're going to hear in a year, yeah, it right, turns out I'm out because I got you know, $250 or, million. Dollars. Or for creative differences. <laughs> okay. I don't have to, yeah, I don't yeah. have to put up with this. Yeah. <laughs> I can just go start another one. Yeah. Uh, just to wrap up uh, David's statement, um, the the whole thing is this Duval's money is supposed to help uh, Firestone Walker grow by continuing expansion. Uh, the long-term plan is a presence on the East Coast and in Europe for Firestone. So uh, David's final quote is, uh, it makes no sense moving beer around the world so far in refrigerated containers. Uh, although there are no immediate plans to brew at other locations, eventually there will be. I like the idea of Union Jack being brewed in Antwerp to show Belgians what a fresh American IPA mm. can really taste like. You know, maybe I'll get David on the show next week. I thought about doing it this week, but here's what I – and I'm a little disappointed in myself because I I was (laughs) reading some of the interviews with him, and I just thought, well, that – He's already been interviewed, and he's not not answering these questions. Actually, my thought was they're asking – however, they're not really asking any tough questions. Like, I feel like we might have gotten a little bit more out of him, you know, just like – But then then he would actually be on the air with us and we'd be like, how are you – uh, how do you feel about right. the deal? Yeah. Like, I don't think he would reveal all the details. He's clearly he not going to do that yeah. uh, or can't do that. But they didn't ask any follow-up questions either. Neither like, would you. Like, he, a, he was here. Well, what about like this? Like, what about, A, does this have anything to do with the new 805 brewery? 
Well, I feel that uh, you know uh, we are we are in, in looking at all of our options. To, yeah, to I guess it would have gone the same the, way. Right, yeah. You would have meant to ask that, but it would have come out. Why are you great? <laughs> Maybe I'm more that way with Matt. I think that I am with the owners. Oh, okay. So I might have be a little tougher on David. I don't know him shit. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't make pale thirty one. <laughs> <Yeah. That's> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's already handsome and tall. And yeah, he has better hair than I do. I don't know him shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably plays a musical instrument too. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He, probably he plays, sings better. He plays more than one, I'm sure, and he knows more languages. He's got an accent. Bevo finds him attractive. Yeah. F that guy. He's a fox. He craps platinum. Yeah. <laughs> Selling his quarter of a billion dollar brewery. Yeah. He has abs. Yeah. I'm sick of him anyway. He's nice to everybody. Yeah. yeah. He has a bunch of friends. Yeah. People right. genuinely like him, not for his money, yeah. but for his personality. What a dick. He invites us to all their events for free. F that guy. Yeah. Well, he could pay a little bit more, but whatever, still. <laughs> Hope you all move to Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Matt here, though. <sighs> all right. Well, here's a company that wishes it was owned by someone like David Walker. Pabst. A little follow-up on uh, is Pabst owned by the Russians? Yeah. Did get some feedback on that uh, this week. Did uh, you? Yeah. Uh, uh, imagine that. <laughs> a few listeners uh, sent me some links. So it is kind of muddy. All right. So here's from the New York Times. It was reported that Oasis Beverages uh, acquired Pabst, as we uh, reiterated on the show last week. Well, it turns out that that deal never happened. So there was a Business Wire release announcing the deal, uh, but Oasis was never part of the buying group, and they were never even actually involved in talks to buy PAPS. Uh, Instead, it seems what actually happened is that uh, Eugene Kasper, he's a U.S. citizen who was born in Russia and has a long history in the brewing business, uh, he decided he wanted to buy PAPS individually. Um, At the time, Mr. Kasper was the chairman of Oasis Beverages, uh, which is the brewing distributor that serves the Russian and Eastern European markets. Uh, Through its ownership of the Moscow Brewing Company, Oasis claimed about a 12% share of the Moscow beer market. Uh, but as Mr. Casper went about planning to buy PAPS, he was doing so independently of his role as chairman of Oasis. It was not related. Instead, Mr. Casper was relurking, uh, working with TSG Consumer Partners, uh, a San Francisco-based private equity firm that invests in consumer goods companies. Mm. At the same time, Mr. Casper was discussing a, a distribution agreement with Oasis that would introduce PAPS to the Russian and Eastern European markets. So he was using his position as chairman of Oasis to say, hey, once I buy this as me, I will then use Oasis to distribute in okay. the Russian market. So because of the different moving parts here, the the whoever the original article, the press that was put out, they got it wrong. It was wrong, right? And yeah. then we picked Shock. it up, and we were wrong. A- AP was wrong, basically. Yeah. yeah. And and then we picked uh, yeah. it up from AP. If we were well, like a legitimate well, beer news source, I would be upset about this, thinking that we yeah, didn't do our due diligence. But all we do— yeah, well, it was but, the New York Times. Uh, uh, no, no. Well, back then, it was just the a- 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 AP, I thought. Yeah, well, a- well, the, the, AP, the, the New York Times picked it up from was, yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, I'd still be I'd be disappointed in us. But who the fuck listens to us for news? I mean, <laughs> well, really? So some guy has been emailing into uh, feedback for the past couple of weeks, yeah. hammering this point home. And I'm like, well, so I sent him the link that says, you know, the the it's now owned by Russians, and yeah. he was like. You know, you, you, why don't you guys try to check your facts? And uh, right. he sent me that link, and I wrote him back. I said, we're not CNN. Relax. <laughs> right. Like, it's well, fine. It, it doesn't matter. The guy well, is the a funny Russian. thing is, yeah. so last he week— still is Russian. Yeah. When this was sent in last week, that we might be wrong— uh, and by we, I mean you, Scott. Uh, I, I did a <laughs> of little... Course. Of course. <laughs> I, did a, I did a little research, and then I joked about that research on the show, because the only differing story I found was on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And guess what yeah. Wikipedia had to say? 
pretty much what you just read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for once, w- Wikipedia was right. was right. And I was like, well, we, you know, I'm telling you that the only story I found was on Wikipedia. See, that's funny because uh, literally before I put that into uh, feedback, I looked on Wikipedia on the PAPS Wikipedia page, and it wasn't there. It had said that in 2014 or 13 or whatever it was, uh, it was owned by a Russian it was owned by a Russian. No, no, you're you're wrong. Because I, I read, read it wrong? yeah, you read it wrong. You're because clo- it said a a you know Russian something something, but he was an American, and it's this guy's name that was just read. Eugene Cashbrook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. still Russian. I don't he's a Russian good. immigrant. <laughs> yeah, a Russian so immigrant. Yeah. It's still owned by Russians. So, right. right. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, well, well, what are you going to do? Well, maybe that's the differenti- <laughs> differentiation, not plural Russians. Russian. Singular. Yeah. So fine, it's an American company. Uh, you know, it's fucking Pabst. It doesn't explain the inconsistent quality issues that they've been having over the last. <laughs> well, maybe couple it years. does. They can't even figure out who owns them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I guess. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the quality might get more consistent uh, because there's actually other Pabst news uh, this week, which is that they plan to open brewing operations for a handful of Pabst's historic beer recipes in a renovated Milwaukee church that once housed. Uh, the Pabst offices. So it's this, it's uh, west of downtown Milwaukee, this site. It closed in 1996 after about 100 years of operation. Mm. The new facility will reportedly be built out to the tune of about 3 to $4 million, expected to open next year. It'll produce about 2,000 barrels uh, annually, serve as the test brewery for recipes taken from the Pabst archives. So the labels to be brewed at the site uh, expected to include Old Tankard Ale, Kloster Beer, Bach, and Andeker. Mm. Among others, those beers will be sold at an on-site tavern and retail stores around the city, potentially in Chicago. Uh, PBR itself will continue to be contract brewed in Milwaukee at the Miller Coors Brewery. Retro Pabst. How meta is that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, a couple more. For decades, brewers from Australia to Germany to Colombia have been trying to capitalize on all the brand recognition of Duff beer from The Simpsons uh, by getting in-the-flesh versions of Duff into the markets there. Uh, but then they get shut down uh, after hearing from 21st Century Fox's attorneys. But now those same attorneys uh, have just announced that Fox is entering this product into the market, beginning in Chile with plans to roll out... Uh, to more of South America and Europe by early 2016. The company's been consulting with uh, a British brewmaster named Paul Farnsworth on the recipe. Uh, Plans subtle packaging with no obvious nods to the the, uh, TV show. It'll basically just look exactly like uh, the cartoon beer. Like the show. Mm-hmm. This whole Duff thing is stupid to me. I mean, who wants to buy Duff beer? I mean, I get that you're buying it, I guess, if it's a, uh, a gift. It's a gag gift, like for Christmas or whatever. Yeah. But are people really going to go out and buy Duff beer? Well, like, to drink Duff beer? But they already are. Yeah. Everybody wants to be uh, Homer Simpson? Is yeah. that what's going yeah, on? That's right. Duff's not famous for its quality. Right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And neither is the character Homer Simpson. <laughs> He's not famous for his quality. That's but true. that's what everyone thinks Americans are like. <laughs> so they want they to buy want it. to aspire true. to be like all the U.S. normal people. Uh, I you can't think get you're right. for that wonderful Duff, and that's all there is to it. It's <laughs> just, a wonderful beer. I mean, who's buying all this Duff? Well, people in South America, apparently. So it, this was a case of if you can't beat them, join them. Because Fox has been fighting the rise of unauthorized versions of this beer in the Chilean market. Like I said, they've had some success fighting it, but you can never really keep up, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the company filed an intellectual property complaint that led Chilean police to seize contraband bottles by the tens of thousands seen right out of the 1930s America here, <laughs> wow. or 20s, whatever. Uh, once you see enough piracy, you are faced with two choices. Uh, this is a quote from uh, one of the uh, Fox attorneys. One is deciding to fight it, and the other is deciding to go out into the market with it. So they're just kind of embracing what's already happening. And so that's why Chile. That's, that's a question I have. Why, why, why that uh, country? But That's why it's a lager, too. That's what they like. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah they sure do. It's cold there. Duff. Lager. I'm so chilly. excited about it. Oh, I can't wait. Now it's coming to the market. Let's all run out and buy Duff. 
It's a weird. Well, it's just a gimmick beer. Now, if you saw it on the shelf, it'd be something. It's not even for sure coming to the U.S., though, right? No, no. And there's no plans. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather buy the Game of Thrones beers. What? <laughs> same yeah. shit. It's the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or, like, or the hey, mm hops or the trooper. Like, or yeah, the kiss a, beers, I, see, your, I see the reference. This brand's looking they for didn't, a beer. They're yeah. slightly beer in Game of different, Thrones. though. I, I think it's slightly different because it's slightly Duff, different, but not, only because like at least those are coming from quality brewers who maybe were inspired by like this. But Duff inspired. is it was a shitty beer on the show and it's a shitty beer on the <laughs> shelf and it's a, like true. it was not. It's not like yeah. it was like oh my god, this Duff, you know. Well, is, is, it, is it shitty on the show? Homer loves it. It is shitty. It, it, yeah, it Homer. Is. Yeah, Homer is not a role model of quality. But this is my like, point. But it's shitty to you. Homer loves it. Yeah. And uh, you know, look what they drink in Venezuela. They drink light um, light lagers. Yeah. That's what they drink. You know. I guess. Are we role summer. models of quality? Yes. Oh, Beardy. I don't know how, but yes. <laughs> okay. Even though, even though, in our role model rule, we actually are drinking some Duff here in the states. It actually is served in uh, Universal's theme parks in. Orlando and Los Angeles. Now, see? And Fox, Fox is not ruling out a nationwide presence here in the States. I'll buy, I'm going to buy some when I go to uh, Universal in there September. There you go. All right. Hell yeah. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, tell us how it is. Oh, that's going to be great. <laughs> Write a review. Bring I'd love some to know cans who back. It. We'll compare it to Pivo. Yeah, oh, that's a good question. If someone's got to brew it, who makes the video? Some, yeah, who it, you know, it, who it, brews it and what is it? Because it's yeah. probably just like, It's oh. rebranded Pabst. You think, right. <laughs> right. That's, that's Milwaukee, what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. It or must it, be. Yeah, nobody. It could just be Miller Lite with S.A.B. Miller down there. Yeah. yeah. Read the – look on the can. Oh, I will, baby. Yeah. You, you've got some work to do. Thank you. Some real deep investigative reporting, J.P. Yeah, good. Great. <laughs> Get your facts right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. What, staying in South America for the uh, final story, I'd like uh, to give a round of applause to the awesome uh, Nicolas Maduro and Hugo Chavez, the uh, ex-president and now president of Venezuela, because Venezuela is now running out of beer. Wow. Thanks to those guys. How was that? Well, how did it come to this? Well, for one, brewery workers are, are on strike. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why, oh, yeah. No, you, you thought. This is but, serious. <laughs> right. Uh, brewery workers are on strike demanding higher wages. Members of the Sintra Sericentro Union stopped work last week at two bottling plants belonging to the Polar Brewery. Polar supplies about 80% of Venezuela's beer, including market leader Polar Pilsen. Uh, the union is tiny, but its members hold key positions at the plant. Production has ground to a total halt. Uh, Venezuela's human rights ombudsman um, has stepped in to mediate, but oh. Polar executives accuse him of, of bias toward the union, which is allied uh, with the socialist government of Maduro. Uh, on top of that, there's a huge shortage of imported ingredients. So uh, store shelves are, are still stocked for now, but hmm. uh, that may change very soon. Raw materials are slated to run out by August. Venezuela is suffering 615% inflation, and it's got one of the world's highest homicide rates, and the government has been locking up its critics, so they really could use a drink, but yeah. it ain't going to be beer in a couple of months. Where in Mexico is Venezuela? <laughs> Uh, the southern part, I think. I see. Near Cancun. So it's not close to the border. That's right. good. No, definitely not. That's that would yeah. suck. They won't be taking our beer, will they? <laughs> They're not coming for our beer and water, are they? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Have a great time. That uh, new segment was brought to you by the Wine and Hop Shop, which thankfully is not located in Venezuela. They're located in Madison, Wisconsin. Go shop at your local if you're up there. And if you're not, check out wineandhop.com. They got a plethora of wine-making and beer-making supplies for your brewing pleasure. Wineandhop.com. Most excellent. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we got some feedback and uh, our Twitter game to wrap up, which will enter you for a chance to win a cabin on the Labruski cruise. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Say hello to my little friend. You've heard about White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Labs Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, FlexCell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a Certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star solution. Visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star treatment today. 
Adventures in Homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes. Some of the things homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the Brutus brew stands and propane burners, the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven-pound hopper, custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels, coolers, and mini-sized brew pots. The brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all-grain brewing. Adventures in Homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. Brewing Network listeners receive 10% off their homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code IPA at checkout. See terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, welcome back, and thanks for hanging out with us. There's a couple things left to do. How about some feedback? Should we do that? Feedback. I love it. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Uh, HH writes in, hello, asshats and Bevo. Number one, a couple weeks ago, Justin said the next anniversary party would probably be smaller. Don't be stupid. This one obviously has to go to 11. (laughs) Get it? So if you listened closely, unless I... Didn't say it right, which is very possible. Uh, the idea was to go smaller in size in terms of people and venue, but bigger in oomph and in output. So I'm thinking we will go to 11, but with less of you. Fewer <laughs> <laughs> of you will get right. more attention. Yeah. Right. Frankly, over the last couple of two, three years, yeah. it's been... It's been nearly impossible to figure out the scope, the size of the uh, event, because it moves to a different state every year. And the conference itself varies in size mm-hmm. every year based on the location. And then that directly reflects the size of our anniversary party. So here I am trying to accommodate anywhere from and, – and just think to yourselves about your life if you had to do this – anywhere from <laughs> 600 people – to 2,500 people. And you have to find a venue that you can afford that if only 600 people show up, you're good. Mm-hmm. Or if 2,500 people show up, you're good. Yeah. And how do you order beer for that span of people as well? And so I just came to the realization that I'm shaving many years off of my life every year trying to fit this <laughs> this range <laughs> of a party, and that maybe we ought to just throw some badass rager that's, you know, we know that we can always get 800 people to come out throw a how and, party. and really have a good time and make everybody, you know, and, and look, you just buy your tickets early and you'll get tickets. Most of you wait to the last minute anyway, you so do. it's not you, my fault. Jerks. So buy your tickets early and you're all going to get in for the 800 people or so. Plus, yeah. every every state we go to, it's hard to even find a, a variance in venues. Well, yeah, because so. we're not there looking for it. Yes, exactly. That's, that's Where is it again? This, uh, this Baltimore. Ma- Maryland is a small Baltimore. state, so yeah. there's not a lot of options. Well, yeah. and especially, you know, crime-ridden Baltimore. Right. Well, we can probably get some pretty... There's a lot of abandoned places, right. I think, yeah, that right. we could... City blocks are empty there. Again, I've <laughs> seen the wire. Yeah. Right. Well, so maybe the model works this time. We go to a, 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 a vacant city <laughs> block, and if it's only 600 of us, we use two of the houses. And yeah. if it's 2,000, yeah. we use the whole block. 
Right. You know. House party. That's Good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's a how potty. How potty. Yeah. That's what I said. Throw how potty. Um, Anyhow. No. It's healthy. <laughs> I, I don't know what the party's going to look like until we get there and explore venues, but eh, I think we're going smaller, and, and then we're going to take that party to 11. Yeah. I think we should. All right. Thank you. Um, dotted line writes in. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Sure, I didn't put his name. That's stupid. I'm I, I think I want the. I'm stupid I, today. I think I want the um, titles of the emails as well. The, sub, okay. the subject. Line. A lot of them are. They're just no subject. So <laughs> really? yes, yeah. a lot of people. So I just. Who still sends emails with no subject? I kind of do. Yeah, do you? Yeah. yeah. So like, explains a lot. Your yeah. phone tries to like force you not to. Is like, sure you want to send the email with no subject? Yeah, there's like yes. eight reminders between writing and clicking send. Yeah. No, but, but so it, so that's why I don't do it because oftentimes it's like. Uh, Hey, ball sack. And it has nothing the, to do with yeah. the actual yeah. email. So it, it, there's really no... But I'll... Look, I'll start doing that. And that's what you want. I do. They're I sending know. feedback. Okay. Yeah. So what What do they have to tell you beyond... I'm, a a lot email. of times it's feedback. feedback but yeah. a lot of times it's no subject. Okay. All right. But I'll remember that. Thank you. This person writes in, uh, Hi, asshats. Chris... Oh, Chris in Ohio here. It's in the greeting. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> Not in the sign-up. Yeah. Judgy McJudgerson. Uh, well, who puts their name in the greeting? Chris from Ohio. I see. Uh, I had the privilege of attending the homebrew competition at Ohio Brew Week this past weekend. I helped steward and really enjoyed getting to taste some of the beers uh, that I had only read about. I ran into something that made me throw up in my mouth a bit. Where else are you going to throw up? I hate that fucking saying. <laughs> the homebrew competition. It made me throw up in well, my mouth. You don't throw up a little bit. in, you throw up out of. No, inside of your no, mouth. No, 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 yeah, but when you throw up in your mouth, it, it's different than throwing up. No, it, yeah, mean, no right. it just means you're professional and you caught it before it leaves. Yeah, but it's not yeah. as a name because if you just said I throw up, I threw up. Yeah, then everyone thinks you it ejected your body. Eh, but yeah, when you maybe. say I threw up my mouth, everyone knows. Oh yeah, you had to suck it yeah. back down. It's a very yeah. colorful. It's saying. the same. Eh, eh. <laughs> I, I threw up in my butt the other day. <laughs> yeah. Come on. All right. Uh, anyway, made me do that. After I was cleaning up, I uh, was instructed to See? dump the. Uh, no, this was. I think yeah, it was cleaning I, up the. Yeah, I was instructed to dump the discarded beer in a larger bucket. One of the members of the host club said they were saving the old beer to distill into liquor. <laughs> the now, dump bucket beer? Yeah. Nice. So he says, I know I'm a newbie, but that just sounds nasty. Do you guys have any thoughts to share on this? No. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts to share. Have you oh. heard of this? this I've not thing? heard of this. I've, maybe Tacey has. He's done more competitions. Well, I've heard of boiling things with this. Sterilize. To sterilize them. And, you know, well, a lot of times people who are d- usually home distilling, which at least in this state is, is illegal. Um, nationally. Uh, oh, it's a national thing? Yes, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> at least in this state. The state of, <laughs> right. uh, the state these, of laws. These United States. Right. Like, okay. they ask for all of our nasty beer. Like, all of our failed beer. Mm-hmm. So is this one nastier? It wasn't drank no. out of their mouth. They didn't spit. It was dumped from the bottles. It's just, but it's a oh. amalgamate of right. all oh, of the dumps. Public consumed. I oh. think that's what it sounds like. Oh, it was, you right. know, like he's at a, he's he's describing a competition room, right? Oh yeah. So whatever's left in the bottles went to the. Oh. Uh, although maybe I mean they sipped out of the, maybe whatever they sipped out of glasses too got dumped in there. Well, know. yeah. But the distillation process separates everything out. Right. Yeah. So well, I don't think it's yeah, all it's that not nasty. Gross. It might not taste great. Well, see, but it's not gross here. Yeah. It's not it, it it's not gross after being distilled but the problem is the flaws show up Those, oh no right, they do right. the flaws in your beer and n- n- first of all okay the like all the bullshit that we know that's off flavors in beers yeah. that can show up in the dis- in the distillate yeah. afterwards oh. second mm-hmm. of all 
uh, you know, how about those uh, those uh, spiced beers mm-hmm. yeah. and the chili beers? That will come through as well. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so I would think that the distillate afterwards would not be very good. Okay. But maybe if you're doing it at home, uh, you know, in BFE Kentucky, then you don't yeah. give a shit. Well, and it's, well, a, then it's a free wash. Mind, it's it might be good. I mean, you just do well, it. It's not and wash it. at that point. Or whatever well, you call it. Well, they're competition level beer, so uh, it yeah. could be lower in... Uh, and flaws, and they could just not put in the spice beers. You haven't judged a competition yeah. in a long time. It's been a tasty. No, no, I know what you're talking about. So it's not as if distilling anything will just make it okay. You're going to pick up all the crap that was in the yes. dump bucket stuff oh. in the final product. Yeah, then I think it will be gross. safe to drink. No. But right. not, it won't hurt yeah. you. The right. spittle yeah. stuff doesn't bug me. Right. It's just the fact that it's a mix of bullshit. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm curious about about uh, any like acetobacter, any sour characteristics that are in that are coming into the beer before you distill. I wonder how th- I wonder that effect on the alcohol uh, in the distillate afterwards. Like if you're distilling sour oh. beer, that it it, 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 impa- it has to impact it. I don't know. I don't know if the acids really. I think affect the acid that. stays back, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. What's his name? He should, he should write back in and Chris. clarify. Chris. Chris, from Ohio. Chris in Ohio. Let us know what the story is there. All right. Give us a follow-up. All right. Russ writes in, uh, hey, guys, I wanted to buy some books, but the link uh, to the books on the site is not working. Uh, I think you get a better cut if I buy from you instead of the BN Amazon. Now, we no longer do uh, books, and I'm not sure what link you're talking about either. I'll have to look into that because I don't remember there being a – there shouldn't be a link anymore. I think it's on archive.org for our old website. Yeah, it sounds like our old um, – <laughs> The Wayback Machine? I, I could be wrong. I'll look into that. If it's there, it shouldn't be. Yeah, we no longer do books. It's just the nature of where we moved our merchandise to. So what I do recommend is that you buy books from one of our fine sponsors. The sponsor of this program, for example, is More Beer. So you go to morebeer.com and, and buy books from them and it, consider that us getting a cut because uh, it's the same thing. And while you're at it, let them know that you bought books from them because they support the show. Because <laughs> our link didn't work. <laughs> or at least the Amazon link if you're going to buy it through Amazon. And then Russ goes on to say, anyway, uh, you need to get some lager shirts as well. I think he means larger. <laughs> I think he does, too. Uh, you need to get the larger shirts as well. I mean, come on. 2XL is as high as you go. Uh, I'm a home brewer, not some wimpy toothpick, toothpick sack. What's a, <laughs> a, a sack? I'm not some wimpy toothpick sack who weighs 198 pounds. <laughs> wow. 198 is a wimpy tooth uh, toothpick sack. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you're toothpick, seven this whole fine. dad body trend is going too far yeah. if double X is small. Yeah. Come on, guys. Hit your target. market. We need some three X's and some four X's for the really big dudes who look forward to each show like myself. Um, yeah, we've targeted people like you in the past, jerk. Let's talk about some classic BN logo shirts like you used to have in some real sizes. Dark colors, please. Just say Real hi. sizes. So, Russ, I, I do have to say. Curves uh, are beautiful. I'm going to say this, you know, politely because you don't know what we've gone through with this whole situation. We, we did used to do that. We used to always order three X's and four X's despite uh, advice from our peers. Other, I used to ask, uh, you know, different companies who do this sort of thing. And they were like, oh, man, we don't even deal with that. And I thought, no, no, you got to take care of everybody. You got to make sure that everyone has access to, you know, what they want. Mm-hmm. And, man, I still got those three X's and four X's sitting around somewhere. Or what we ended up doing was having to give them away at different events. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and listen, I was ordering in small quantities. I'd order like five three X's and two four X's. Yeah. Russ, I got to tell you. I don't know where you've been or your people because your people are not going to my website. You're still your, in training. And your people are not coming to my booth and no. buying shirts no. uh, because all that stuff just sat on the shelf costing me money over and over. So about two years ago, I stopped ordering it. It just – I was losing money, dude. So 
I don't know what to tell you. You could jog and yeah. get down to a two X. <laughs> I don't mean you have to. I'm just saying, I'm just giving options here. You could. You could get down to it. <laughs> get down yeah. to a two X or. I don't know. I don't know how else to do it because you you have to order things in bulk. Like you can't just. Yeah, I can't just go. Hey, I need thing. one three X. You know, yeah. for Russ. Maybe he can't <laughs> run. Like maybe if he tries to step down at any sort of like pace, his knee will implode. Well, start, that could happen. Listen, walking. also, I can barely run too because I'm an out of shape idiot. I'm not judging anyone because I listen. I will. I will probably have a heart attack. You're not a toothpick um, sack, but I'm practically a toothpick sack. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, you know, I probably shouldn't exercise either. I will hurt myself. All I'm saying is, Russ, I can't. I can't do it. We used to do it, and no, nobody bought them. So I don't know where you've been. Yeah, Blobber reminds By two us. and sew them together. By, by two two X's. Yeah. Oh. Here we go. I don't know. <laughs> Blobber reminds us that, that we had to give a 3X lunch meat shirt to him. Because it was the last one that we had, because oh. nobody was buying it. Oh, so we gave it to Blobber. We had gave who it is a hundred and twelve pound right, toothpick right. sack. He's yeah. half a toothpick sack. Yeah. So does he use it as a nighty? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't or know what he, I'm he sure he'll tell me what. Uh, That's a sleeping bag for his family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Russ, I, I don't mean to be rude. I just I can't carry him anymore, man. We we tried. Uh, look, every now and then, if you come to an event, we we will get a couple of three X's or something. But it's just pretty rare yeah. now. They're just like you, Chris. We can't carry him. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right, Carrie. <laughs> uh, oh, just someone wrote in with a link about the uh, PBR story. So. That's, the, that's the guy who's been hammering the feedback for the company. Okay, here's the link that said the sale never happened. I told right. him to chill out because so we're not CNN. All right. Oh, and the last one's a really angry Moscow email. Moscow, right. I, don't know, I, I don't know if I want to read it. Let me preface it. Preface it. You can decide. Uh, it's remember when I was like leaving out Nicole emails because I felt that they were just, <laughs> oh. they were like that bad. I just thought, well, there's no re- reason to read this. If you weren't sitting in the room, I would just choose not to read this email. Uh-huh. But, but you're here, so I'll give you. It's up to you. Sure, go ahead. It goes to eleven. <clears throat> Case writes in. Uh, I love the session, and I've been listening for years. But Jesus H Christ, Scott is such a closed-minded fuckwad idiot. His smug, closed-minded, high-horse, naive comments make me physically shudder at times. I understand that he has a job to do on the show, and I have to assume he does it well. Uh, Although from where I'm sitting, it doesn't appear to be the case. Otherwise, why in the F would you let him on the air? F you, F you, F you, prissy, no nothing, no it at all. No it at all. That was me, (laughs) not him. Uh, Sorry, but I hate you. Everyone else is fantastic. From So he gives no examples of what he's talking about? Typical. Just, wow. just hates He's you. an idiot. I mean, that, this is so classic. They make accusations and gives no, give no examples. Yeah. He said that was great. Accusa- was nice. Accusations yeah. without examples are worthless. All right. And like I said, I would have left that out because it's just an angry. I mean, that one, that's particularly angry. It's just his opinion. It's brutal. I would actually call it. It might be his harsh. opinion, but it's particularly angry. Yeah. You know, well, weird. Anger. I guarantee you, uh, after he hears this episode, I'll get a, an email and feedback. Look, just apologize. I didn't you mean know. it. I was drunk. I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I agree with what I said, just how I said it could have been made a little bit better. Or maybe he'll write in with examples. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that is your feedback today. I forgot to tell you that feedback was brought to you today by a good friend, John, over at Beer Law Center. You can oh. go to beerlawcenter.com and check it out right now. He doesn't just protect, uh, protect trademark like he does for me, but he can do that for you. Uh, he also helps uh, with all the, the legal papers work and all that nonsense. If you're in North Carolina, he can do it from cradle to the grave. He can do all that stuff for you. Other states, uh, I believe he just uh, focuses on TTB filings, the, the, the mm-hmm. federal side, because state-by-state state things things vary. But go check him out over at 
beerlawcenter.com. I think you'll be pleased with his level of service. He's a good dude, and he takes good care of us. So there you go. All right. Twitter game today. Twitter game. Was what should we offer to farmers to help them? Yeah. Something? Yes. yes. No, you did great. That's, All right. That's really good. Good. Um, I yeah. hate me now. I'm going to write myself a feedback right Dear now. Here's Justin. Justin is a fucking asshole who prissy. can't describe things. Right. That's correct. And you're prissy. <laughs> yes. Moscow just killed a gnat. That's why we keep him around. Because he's angry. Oh, he need, he I'm needed, good at that. Yeah. He needed to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes, because the, the, the example of the Dane, uh, the Danish beer festival saving urine um, to water. Ah, uh, yes, yes. To, for the farmers. That's correct. So Urine for Farmers, I believe, that was the organization. Yes. Uh, Ian Winger writes, uh, you can donate all of Major Jip's shitty jokes for farmers to use as fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Game over! <laughs> Winner! There is no need to read anything else. I mean, he's right. Down the <laughs> what are you going to do? You know? That's good. You can't... Uh, and wh- wait, what's this person's name? Ian Winger. Losers. Ian can sit in next time JP's out sick, I yeah. think. Well, I don't know. He didn't provide any examples. So <laughs> he's, shitty joke. He might, yeah. he's, he's wrong. Uh, Scott Thompson says nutters. At least the farmers can have tan legs. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, AC writes, the tears of all the crybabies losing the NHC Club of the Year for irrigation. Oh, oh that's okay. nice. Yeah. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. All right. And now, all right I better start okay. writing some things down. Yeah. That shit got some I layers. thought it was over, but... Now it's uh, a competition. Yeah. It just got real. All right. Yeah. That shit got some layers. JP shitty jokes. <laughs> and then... See, but again... <laughs> and crybabies. Accu- accusation without an example. The jokes are real <laughs> shitty, but what... W- Which one? Yeah, I just look at it. That's his opinion. I don't care. All right. ba- baby tears. Got it? Uh, baby tears. Mike Schiller says, bottled air from club night at NHC that could power a fleet of tractors or kill any pests. <laughs> While true, <laughs> yes, not a, not all that funny. I'm going to skip that one then. Uh, Kelly Wingert says, uh, "Tasty's cookies." It wouldn't help, but after eating a couple, who would care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might help. The, if we're talking about truly helping, <laughs> yeah, Tasty's right. cookies. Yeah. Yeah. True. I'm going to put it on the That'd list. Be like coping. Factual. Yeah. yeah. And uh, John Indish wrote in with the uh, the um, totally super easy one. Justin's shitty homebrew. Oh, uh, but that wouldn't help anybody. Uh, not even me. I drink this stuff. Not even you. Uh, Chris Rogers says, a few pallets of, quote, Summerfest glassware. They would find use, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, that's not the only Summerfest joke in here. Okay. Uh, Anthony Coronado <laughs> says, use Bebo's tooth water to water the grain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could definitely do that. Stink Eye says, the tears of JP after being forced to drink another IPA on Dr. Homebrew. Oh, yeah. How do you play that off, anyway? Um... Very carefully. <laughs> very carefully, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very different person on that show. Okay. Uh, Justin Baldwin writes, a half-hearted handy behind the barn. Yeah. Mm. That would help. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Pepe Silvia, which I, whatever. Uh, just a quarter of the beer that Moscow has kept from all the shipments is all you need for a few years' harvest. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of sad. Yeah. But- <clears throat> Pete Dink uh, closed out the Summerfest comments with, you can close the farmer's kids with Summerfest shirts. Oh, that's true. Oh. I found another bag of them this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning out my garage. A bunch of three X's. <laughs> hey, give them to Chris. Yeah. yeah. Russ. Your whole fit, you give your fit on, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Reginald says, since Justin hardly brews anymore, I guess his beers aren't an option. Uh, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, that, by the way, was passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, That's our passive-aggressive joke of the year. There you go. Of the day. That should be a B&A uh, category. Passive-aggressive <laughs> <Yeah>. joke. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Elfstaff says, please don't give Dogfish Head any more dumb ideas for beer. <laughs> And Chris Lewis uh, writes, uh, docks tears after he writes his alimony check each month. Oh, <laughs> where's Doc when we need him? <laughs> I'm putting that on the list, uh, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Classic Twitter. <laughs> yeah, what a gutter. Classic, man. All right, here's my uh, finalist list, and, and you guys can add to it, of course, just what okay. I wrote down. Um, JP's jokes to fertilize the crops. Yes. Um, uh, everybody's baby tears about us winning Club of the Year. Nice. And we can give that. You know, I like how you changed it. Yeah. From cry babies to baby <laughs> tears. Baby cry tears. All of their kids are crying. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's a loser. <laughs> he lost again. Right, right. Daddy lost for five years. Control of this house. Why can't you brew better beer, Dad? <laughs> Why didn't you join their club? <laughs> ah, Daddy, you're an idiot. All right, and then Tasty's uh, <laughs> cookies to do some actual good. I yes, think just, uh, and then uh, Doc's alimony check. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, the tears Doc will cry oh, every yes. month when he has to write <laughs> yeah, his alimony yeah. check. Now that he's, I would have to include either Pete uh, Pete the Dink or Chris Rogers Summerfest jokes. One was the glassware, and Peter's was the clothes the farmer's kids. I think one of those is pretty good. That's a de- that's going pretty deep in the BN lexicon. All right, I'll do both Summerfest glassware and uh, and Summerfest <laughs> shirt. And that's why. So here's honestly, when I'm making this list, just so you Twitter folks know, sometimes your your entries are great and they're funny, but I always compare them at that point to the top one on the list, the one that I know is already better than yours. Yeah. And so sometimes I just leave you off because it was great, but you're not going to win. So why waste our time raising our hand? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, no, right. We're not well, raising yeah. our hand. You got out in the first round. So, bo- yeah. So both yeah. of those Summerfest yeah. ones, you know, hey, bronze medals. All right. But not going <laughs> to. Certificate. Yeah. Not gonna, Honorable you know, mention. This is the best in show round, and, and own, <laughs> it just ain't going to cut it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's all That's I'm true. saying. We got to get it down to one. You got to, yeah. yeah. No. So, all right. All right, great. Uh, well, 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 there you go. All right. Are we ready to vote then? All right. Yeah. We'll vote from the bottom um, by show of hands. Uh, uh, clothing. Their children in Summerfest shirts, or whoever it was in Summerfest shirts. Zero votes. Okay. Uh, and then um, could be third. give them our, yeah. our Summerfest glassware. That's got to be put to good use. Oh, oh same. All right, zero I'm votes glad there. I'm glad I brought that up. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Doc's tears uh, to, to uh, irrigate his every month when check. he has to sign his alimony check. God, that's good one. That was good. Oh, I'm going to do it. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you that. what I'm going to do here. I got a vote from Bevo and a vote from JP, and I'm going to add a vote from Doc in oh. his absence. An absentee yeah. vote. All right. All right. So that's three votes. Three, that's right up. Huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tasty's Cookies. All right. No votes there. The uh, baby Tears. <laughs> yes. Oh. People's voting twice. She no, always gets I, a... I'm allowed to. She gets a, yeah. a double vote. Yeah. Beardy Moscow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is going to be difficult. And then um, JP's shitty jokes to fertilize. Uh, uh, that the one farms. was good. 
Wow. Beardy, you guys are... changing your mind? Anybody over there? All right, so that gives that one two (laughs) votes. Wow. Wow. But the problem... We have a tie. No, we have a tie is the problem here. Uh, And I can't believe that JP's jokes wasn't the runaway hit of the night. It was good. Sometimes his jokes are funny. funny. Yeah, but... And everybody knows that. But he says all of the shitty ones, which there's a lot. Yeah, and and it's it's also a deep-running joke. Too, if you True. Know. Yeah. You could do but, a movie on that. And so deep. <laughs> hey, Hollywood, are you listening? Yes. <laughs> like Hello. Gone with the Wind style. Oh I mean, yeah. it, an epic two, adventure. Two, an yeah. epic film. Yeah. Yeah. There would be an intermission in that film. Like the Ten Commandments. But there'd be a lot more tears. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a heavy bias toward the first response that is read. It, it usually gets a good laugh, and it's always one of the finalists. Mean, there's something not... about the first read. Yeah, that might be true, yeah. but this one in particular no, is really quality good. writing. Good. We yes. all raged and laughed. You did oh, yeah. too. So yeah. It's good. The laugh meter says you're, you're waffling. All right, well, more important. Lee, uh, we do have a tie between Baby Tears and Doc's Alimony. Oh, yeah. Uh, so how are we going to break the tie? Are we going to have a, another vote off? Oh, really? Yeah, I guess Between so. the two now? Now that we've narrowed it down. Well, okay. This is, that was a mini best of show. This is a, a major best of show. Yeah, because with Bevo's two votes, it's an odd number. So we'd, okay. it would have to be decided. Okay. Um, Warren did math for you. Yeah, did you see that? Thank you. Yeah, I didn't. didn't. Okay. Fuck you, Warren. Raise your hand. <laughs> If you'd like oh. to vote for Doc's alimony, crying every time I write an alimony check to irrigate the crops. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You did it, you did it last good. time. These are going to be close. <sighs> all three of them are good. Yeah. Well, there's only two. <laughs> all, all two I'd like of them to revisit the JP joke. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go well, back the, and that, vote? That wasn't a joke. That was just his <laughs> shitty math yeah, skills. Like the, lad, the high three voters. <laughs> shitty brain. Shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final final uh, answers for Doc's alimony. Raise your hand now. We've got one from Bevo. <laughs> all right, and we've got so one now, from JP. And everybody else is then voting for uh, baby tears for uh, losing AC. club of the yep. year. And that's a good five voter. All right, yeah. AC. Well, it's the most realistic. Yeah. yeah, I mean there are a lot of tears and plants need a lot of water. That's that was a great competition. Point. Yes. Yeah. For that one. That was. Almost like the Club of the Year competition. It was very close. Almost. <laughs> almost. It was very close. Yeah. I mean, Quaff only lost by something like... It was less than 10 points, I think. Yeah. Two medals. Like so... Or something? Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Congratulations. JP is going to send out a tweet. You, an electronic notice. You'll to get everybody who won. And then yes. uh, you need everybody. to email Bevo, Bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com uh, and, and she's going to enter you to win uh, a chance to get a cabin on the Labruski cruise that's happening the first week of March in 2016. We're going to be there and we are going to party until we fall off the boat. That oh, yeah. doesn't sound fun. But what was fun was on Friday I went to the state fair. Actually, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> it was actually really hot yeah. and a little bit gross. Right. But... I did happen to check out the uh, the why am I retarded the beer festival uh, winning oh, yeah. the beer yeah, entries in between uh, going to the pie eating contest and <laughs> yeah, oh my god there was a corn dog happen? eating contest win? and I didn't know about it oh my god uh, you would have dominated I would have dis- oh I would have owned it yeah because you eat Sammy's corny wiener all day long uh, yeah. see more fertilizer see what, what's yeah. the guy's name who just well, lost like that shouldn't have my vote actually. Anyhow, I'm sorry, buddy. There was a point to this ramble. Doubt it. Our good friend Paul Brown won a medal. Oh, at the, oh nice. Yes. Oh. And I also happened to see three other PO? Me, uh, medal winners who 
chose the Brewing Network as their club. Wow. All right. Nice. Very nice. I like to hear that. All right. Very yeah, nice. I that happens. did stuff. You did. Yeah, you looked hmm. at things and remembered them. Like Good job, Eve. You're rehired. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Back in action. All right. Anything I didn't do, Moskowitz? Nope. I'm good. We're right? good. Yeah. All right. Next week, we've got Cellar Maker Brewing Company on. I do, oh, I do need to let you know that we're starting just a little bit early next week. Starting a half an hour early. So if you want to tune in live, and what a great brewery we've got in here. We're starting at 530. It's just a one-time thing. And, Why is uh, it? Uh, because they're also doing a... Um, craft series. A craft series night with us here at the Hop Grenade. Uh-huh. That's our featured brewery nights that we do. Okay. So we wanted them to be able to come in here and do their interview, and then go out into the bar and hang out with our... Our patrons and talk beer and do all that so it's a it's a double whammy if you're local um and then yeah so we just got to start a half hour early to get them out there in time so 5 30 next week and uh that's it i want to thank our guest tonight uh, tom mccormick a pleasure to talk to him and um I'm looking forward to doing the California Craft Beer Summit with them. That's going to be a, a good time, I think. And then, of course, Doug and Gabby from Gladfield Malt in New Zealand, also uh, great people to speak with, and uh, sounds like they really know what they're doing. So hopefully we'll get some of that malt here stateside soon, huh, Tasty? Yeah. It was sounding pretty good. Let's have a little bit of that. All right, so we will see you uh, next week for the Cellar Maker Show, which is going to be yeah, a good be time. Great. All right, take care. Later. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Tom McCormick from the Craft Beer Summit stopped by to tell us about their first annual event. Check out uh, californiacraftbeer.com for more info. We also talked to Doug and Gabby over there at Gladfield Malt all the way from New Zealand. The Internet is beautiful. Learn more at gladfieldmalt.co.nz. If you can't get enough of JP, check out his non-beer, Disneyland-centric podcast, Ears Up. Learn a thing or two over at Ears Up Podcast, and remember that's ears with a Z. Warren spoke some words today, uh, we think, so that's cool. Uh, for some good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith and Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDole at Tasty McD. Production, production director on the session has been Push Eject. Today's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. JP was marble-mouthed heading home for some Basil Haydens. Bevo started the show talking about coitus for no reason at all. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the written network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Justin's in my sky and winning the race, JP.